Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. When the Phoenix rises from the ashes, it's time to fly. Welcome back to another episode of the Phoenix Splash Podcast number 10. A good friend of mine told me, Dan Ruder, when we did BFR back in the day, if you can make it past eight, that's the number that people usually stop is eight episodes where you're at 10. I think we could double down on that, but, but we'll hold off on that for a little bit. Let me announce my co-pilot, the man with the plan, Big Sexy himself, Brett Jager, one half of the Brain Buster Boys. Brett, tell me something good, big dog. Well, if you recall, we almost didn't make it past eight. <laughs> that being, <laughs> that say, being where the same is at. Lost, <laughs> the same lost episode, which we then re-recorded. This actually being our first time recording via, well, you're still recorded, but using StreamYard since that fateful day. But it's great to see your fucking face again. And the good thing I have to say is that we were at the better Forbidden Door, which Ooh. was Forbidden Door 1. Ooh, As I you see can see on my debate. name here, yeah, still a great, great show last night, but okay. it was not as good as number one. Okay. I just wanted to get it out there, starting no. the conversation. No, I, I, I love that shit, because right then and there, we have a discussion to ha- be had, because I was wondering, did we see the, the better Forbidden Door? But we have a discussion to be had, so obviously, we will be talking about the Forbidden Door that just happened last night. Plenty to discuss. Another match of the year candidate, possibly, if you want to go that route, if you like certain things that's called great wrestling we'll jump on over to um i believe we're going to do the all together show where you had uh, Noah, all japan new japan great great show a little different than forbidden door but kind of on the same lines we'll talk about that we'll go over to stardom talk about the stardom sunshine show that would say that five times fast interesting two cage matches that i don't really want to focus on then we'll talk about if brett is back on board with stardom or not and then we're going to round out the show with talking about the Noah Green journey at the Nogawa show with uh, Jake Lee versus Segura for the GHC heavyweight title they had two matches on 622 GLG that would be Yohei and Tadusuke versus I'm going to call them Stinger quote unquote Stinger and uh, Chris Ridgeway and Daga saw that this afternoon that was a really good, a- good ass match yeah. we're looking on that yeah. and then you yeah. had uh, Go Shiozaki versus Keno Keno and uh, Nakajima had a 45-minute draw, so now Keno gets the other side of Axis. We'll talk about that. And then TJPW and a couple of uh, All Japan Wrestling shows to talk about. Just actually matches versus and shows. Just to put this, just to put this out there, because we might forget, also Kento, Naka, uh, uh, Kento Miyahara fucking slapped Tatsuhiko Nakajima at a recent press conference setting up a future singles match between those two i think just getting that out there we don't really need to discuss it that's gonna be fucking great remember they had that tussle i think it was the mudo retirement show where they were on opposite sides 
and already starting off fucking hot. So yeah, Japanese wrestling is cooking, baby. Man, I'll say this. And I, actually, it's just going to be like a little teaser because you and I were talking about this and I like uh, Kento Miyahara. He's he's fucking amazing. He's like a fucking uh, conductor when he comes out and just gets the crowd right behind him. He's literally the, the literal. He's a big time baby face. And I was talking to Brett about you know like getting starting to get roped into all Japan. Like I need something else you know to watch uh, wrestling wise, whether it's Josie or Parizu. Thank you, Zach. I think I said it right, but if I didn't, smack me on Thursday, you know via uh, phone, but I think I said it right. And this, and either way, All Japan feels like it's dragging me in, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So, I guess it's time to stop fucking around. Mr. Shingo Takagi, former IWGP heavyweight champion. What you got to say about that? Stark, stark, stark! All right, let's do it. We're not even going to go into the Forbidden Door Zero Hour. If you want to go back and look at it, by all means, knock yourselves out. We're going to talk about the main course. We're going to start at the top, work our way down. We had MJF versus Tanahashi for the AEW Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, this felt like something that we did last year because we did it last year. It was just John Moxley as the AEW champion. In this case, it is MJF. 1546, bell to bell, MJF. Retains it with a little fuckery, pulls out the diamond ring, blasts the ace across the face, gets the one, two, three afterwards. Um, I'll start first. I love Tanahashi. Obviously, New Japan is one of my favorite, if not, I won't even say one of mine. It is my favorite wrestling promotion as it stands right over stardom, over Noah, over everything. WWE, fill in the blank. It's hard, it's hard for me to watch Tanahashi struggle th- towards the latter part of the, his career, especially when he's getting on the top to do high fly flows or whatever the case may be. You can see him kind of struggling to hit the ropes, running the ropes, things along those lines. I'm not saying that this match was bad. I'm just saying it's hard for me to watch Tanahashi regress, if that makes sense. Thoughts on the match? Well, firstly, I'm a little upset you didn't play the final countdown coming into this show here. No music. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold that thought. <laughs> I did. I did have it, but it's just different. I okay. 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 I, I see you. It was one of the two. It was one of the two. Yeah. I figured this song kind of caught my attention. Yeah, well, they did that with multiple, a lot of people, like Kenny, old music, Zach, old music, ELP, old music, hopefully that one sticks. Yeah, no shit. Um, But yeah, Kenny, to me, was the most exciting, because I fucking love his old New Japan song. I can't remember the name, Azar threw it out in our group the other night, but yeah, that's certainly uh, fitting as well. Okay, now we can go back to the match. Um, Go right ahead. (laughs) I apologize. I agree wholeheartedly. Tanahashi is a guy who, you know, when I started following New Japan after Wrestle Kingdom 11 in 2017, that it took me a little bit, but like, like, oh my God, I see it. I get this guy is one of the greatest all time. Like, I saw it right away, but it took me a while to like come around to him as like a fan. Right. And like truly buying into his shit. I think it was around like Wrestle Kingdom of 2018. 
Um, he fought Jay White, but then it was like that next month, the new beginning against Ishii, or excuse me, Suzuki, where he tapped out. It was just like a brutal dismantling. Like, okay, this motherfucker's got it. And then he, that feud with Okada that re-simmered. Like, so 2018 is when I became like a huge Tanahashi fan. The Ibushi G1 final, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he is, uh, this year, 2023, he has lost it significantly even more than last year I think you know I think last year he was still able to put together some top top quality matches you know mostly on charisma and heart and passion and fighting spirit but now the body's just given away too much and, and you're right it's it's tough to watch it's sad because he is the fucking best he is the ace of the universe he's the once in a thousand generation talent um but yeah, the match I thought was still entertaining. You know, I'd probably give it like three seven five. You know, I'm maybe going a little, being a little generous, but I was entertained. You know, MJF doing MJF things. I love the moment when Tanahashi was like firing up, and MJF just poked him in the eye. I was like, "You miserable uh, bastard." That was nice. You know, we get the the common uh, knee selling from MJF. I always love when he does that, like backbreaker on his knee, and it always fucking hurts him. Um, but yeah, it wasn't the most exciting match in the world. You know, they didn't really click super well, but Hey, it was still cool to see. I, you know, again, I still enjoyed watching it and had a good time watching it. Did I want it to be better? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, all things considered, it was, it was fine. It was a fine, I'm glad they put it in the opening spot. You know, I, that I kind of had pegged that ahead of time, like made sense too for MJF's kind of thoughts coming in, like, didn't want to be there. Didn't think Tanahashi Stole deserved to be defending the scheduled tweet that came out, what, like 10 minutes into the match, saying <laughs> something like, by this time I would have already beaten the ace's ass. All great shit. No, but yeah. MJF knows what he's doing. There's no question about it. I gave it three and a half, and I, I'm with you. I probably was being a, a smidge generous. Um, just wasn't the chemistry wasn't there. And like I said, I think, unfortunately, we're starting to see the ace in the, in the twilight in the real twilight of his career, I'll be interested to see how he looks in the G1 because that's going to be a real true litmus test of how he'll his body will be able to bounce back after uh, going through, I believe it's going to be about a month or so, give or take. So just depending yeah. on what the schedule is and, you know, he'll be wrestling the, the matches that nobody else cares about but me to watch. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how he manages to hold himself up throughout the G1. But obviously we'll talk about that probably in the next episode. Go ahead gotta think it's his last g1 right i was just, I, mean, I was just thinking that i didn't say it but yeah um there's it's just it's time and again like it, i didn't watch his match against swerve what was it on collision but yeah. i read i read some shit kind of similar you yeah. know like no, that's... Kind of hot, he's just he's just not there he just can't can't go at that you know, even at like a semi-acceptable level with his, you know, with his body. Like we said, he makes up for it in other areas, absolutely, but the body can only do so much. So I just, again, it's going to be diminishing returns at some point. So like, you know, maybe, I don't know if they'll announce it's his last G1. I doubt that, but man, it's going to be hard. Knowing where he's at this year compared to last year already, I can't imagine where he'll be at next year at this point. So 
let's just fucking enjoy it while we can because you know he's going to be giving it all to us. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. I was just getting, love, was, love the guy. That's what I was just getting ready to say to kind of close it out is that this is one of those matches that you can say if you're a big time wrestling fan and you watch a bunch of wrestling throughout promotions, you might get the one chance to see Tanahashi and this might have been it. It might not have been the best performance, but you can at least say, hey, you know, I saw Tanahashi with these two two eyes. So in that and scenario, it's still, cool that, still cool that this match happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, like being a huge AEW fan, a huge New Japan fan, you know, two. I think it's safe to say MJF is an AEW legend at this point, given that, you know, the company's only like four years old, like two legends of their respective promotions. Yes, obviously that's a loose term for MJF, for more sure. so, but still a cool matchup to see, like I said. No, it's the it's behind the spirit of the Forbidden Door. Next yeah. up, speaking of the <laughs> Joe Boy, and I'm talking about your uh, Joe Boy Brett Jager over here. God, I wish you could. I wish you could be privy to some of these uh, text threads about CM Punk because he just. <laughs> whew, I was wish I'd have been a wall uh, fly on the wall for this scenario when you watch this match. CM Punk versus <laughs> Kojima in the Owen Hart uh, tournament quarterfinal match. Uh, 13 40 bell to bell CM Punk continues to troll fans in Toronto I said before at least on BFR that it would be interesting to see him outside of Toronto how fans would react when I watched outside of Chicago yeah outside of Chicago thank you and uh, Toronto was obviously the first spot and Toronto did not disappoint. They made they, no, they did not. and they got him I mean, on Saturday and Sunday. Go ahead. I I didn't watch Collision, but I texted you guys like when I had the pre-show on, like at the very beginning, they're running through the matches, and when the graphic alone came up for CM Punk versus Kojima, you could hear the booze raining down. I'm like, oh yeah, baby, it's gonna be a good night. <laughs> oh my god! The, the night before, that's like I said on that Saturday night. In Toronto. He got it that night too. I imagine. Oh, yeah, it was. That's when I was just like, "Oh, if he's getting it Saturday night, Sunday, it's gonna it. really be on." But yeah, they basically booed him from. Well, I shouldn't say that. I would probably say conservatively, it was sixty forty. It was probably more like seventy thirty to where a CM Punk chant started to kind of go up in the crowd and the CM Punk haters kind of just like swarmed in on them. They were just like, boo, boo. I was like, oh my God, damn. Yep. So nonetheless, good to see the fact that we had a hot crowd and we knew it was going to be hot coming in, but just seeing this match, the way they reacted to Punk, that was a check mark from it. For me, this match was what it was. And not, not like it wasn't going to be a predictable match, but I thought the match was still pretty good. I gave it three, seven, five stars. Go ahead, shit on CM Punk, my friend. I'm not going to that much. I got it out on our show last <laughs> week. Also, because I'd kind of, I'd all along, I'm like, look, I'm not going to talk about this fucking guy until he shows back up on our television. Like, I'm just not. I don't want to. I don't want to waste the time, the energy, and just upset myself. So. Finally got it out. You know, I'm not going to rehash that. All I watched was his opening promo on Collision and, like, the next part of I didn't even finish the show. I was – it was also late after work one night. But, yeah, you better believe I was worked up during that promo and getting mad and angry. And I'm like, Look, okay, I'm not going to do this to myself. I'm not going to watch this match. And I didn't, I didn't watch Collision this week. That was more for lack of opportunity. I was out of town. Didn't, you know. But – 
I liked this match. I really did. Um, you know, Kojima, God love him at his age, can still put on a pretty damn good match. He Agreed. somehow became both GHC heavyweight champ and All Japan triple crown champ within the last calendar year. Um, you know, so the guy, you know, while he's definitely has been a main eventer in the two other companies, you know, within the last year, and he's got that passion, that fire, obviously. Um, and you know, punk didn't really piss me off too much. Um, you know, I, the fact that he's getting booed, like I can get behind that now, you know, like that, that kind of like brought it back to kayfabe a little bit. And as I think I told you, I've told others like, look, yeah, I'm way down on the guy. Now he pissed me off. I'm more on, I love hangman Kenny and the bucks and you know, I hate everything that happened. I side with them, whatever, but like, I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm not watching collision right now. Cause it's still just raw and I don't want to see it, but like this match was really good if he keeps having good matches and things that aren't pissing me off and he's not being an asshole and he's playing ball, we know what kind of performer this guy can be. Right. So, you know, I'm willing to give it time. I enjoyed this match more than I thought I would. Agreed. I'm happy. I'm happy. The crowd reacted the way they reacted. It's going to be very interesting. This is going to be a week by week thing, you For know, sure. just For seeing sure. how the crowd treat him. You know, I work, pretty much every Saturday night. So I'm not going to be watching collision live ever. You know, it'll probably be sense of, yeah, maybe I'll pop it on when I get home. Right. Maybe I'll watch it the next day. Maybe I won't. It's a lot of fucking wrestling out there and I'm hey, man. a lot busier now than I was a few months ago. Hey, so man. time is, time is less, but yeah, all considered this was a win for me. I went four stars. Um, I thought Kojima's comeback was awesome. That brain buster was fucking awesome. Um, and yeah, I thought punk played the heel. Great. You know, that's something we never, we haven't really seen in AEW. Yeah. Again, like it's what we've all wanted. And I think, I don't know if it's going to be like a full, full turn or if it will be like a week to week thing, but I'm here for that. You know, again, as long as he's playing within the bounds and not overstepping and being a dick for no fucking reason, or because he got his feelings hurt because someone talked about Cole Cabana. So <laughs> I knew I pulled a little something out of you. No, I agree totally. Um, as long as Punk is, I don't even care what he's got to say about anything backstage. As long as he's doing the right thing and getting giving us good matches, that's all we care about. From that point, you know, stay your speak, your speak, dog. Next up, we had a fatal four way match: uh, Daniel Garcia versus Shibata versus. ZSJ versus Orange Cassidy. So you had three champions coming in. Obviously, Zack Sabre Jr. is the uh, world television champion for New Japan. Shibata, the pure champion from ROH. And then, obviously, you had Orange Cassidy uh, representing AEW as the international champion. Only his title was up for grabs. I thought this was a very good match. It was, it to me, oh, it, it, yeah. was a, it, it was the match of the night up to this point, obviously. Oh yeah, and it was a really short match when I start when I went back on yeah. the cage match to look at it this afternoon. Only 11, 11, 15. 15. Yeah, bell to bell. Yeah. Um, just 
action from the start. It felt like a New Japan Junior uh, Best of the Super Juniors match, kind of along those lines, because you, you had the the speed of the match, but then you had Shibata and ZSJ kind of having their little uh, sidebar tete-a-tete, if you will. For those who don't remember, when Shibata came back, his first match was a quote-unquote five-minute exhibition match versus one Zack Sabre Jr. that got my mouth watering where I was like, oh, this motherfucker might add him coming back, and lo and behold, you about a year and, and a half later, you have him back. Go ahead. And they feuded over the Rev Pro belt in like 2017 as well, so they've definitely got some history, for sure. Wow, you said that. A big, big kudos to the commentary team, Taz, oh, they Tony, were great. Uh, Kevin Kelly, obviously, uh, Excalibur, obviously, I thought they did just, a really good job of getting it guys in and out and making this show feel <clears throat> seamless, I guess is the, the word I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah, I just wish old Chris Charlton would have been on the main show. They just had him for the pre-show. But again, you know, there's I think four guys is too much anyway, so I'm happy they kept it three I just wish they would have subbed uh, Chris in instead of Tony. But he, Tony was great. Tony's all, you know, he is what he is at this point. He's the cookie cutter of happy-go-lucky baby face who fucking hates MJF. But I love Tony Schiavone, so no, I am it, It's hard. But I just to. love Chris Carlton so fucking much, and he's so good. Um, but, no, yeah, he'll get his time. You know, he'll get his time. I know uh, at some point uh, Kevin Kelly will end up, God forbid, he'll miss a show or two. We've already seen that Chris Charlton can uh, step right on in and handle his business. That being said, let's jump back to the match. Orange Cassidy retains, like we said, in 11-15. Um, I gave it four stars. I thought, like I said, at this point it was the match of the night. I like how Orange Cassidy – that, I won't say heelishly won this match, but he damn sure was like, oh. That's a heel tactic right there, baby. Yep. As soon as the PK happened, I'm like, this motherfucker's going to do it again, isn't it? Because I came in, I'm like, ZSJ better win this fucking match. But how can I get mad? I mean, I love Orange, obviously. Right. <laughs> I dressed up as a motherfucker for Halloween, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> yeah, I loved this. I went four and a quarter. Um, I thought it's the best Shibata's look since mm-hmm. he's come back. Like, Agree. He was hitting hard as shit. He was eating every strike. He just looked crisper. He looked faster. I I was just in awe watching. I mean, you know how much I love the guy. It, I just thought this match was so great. You know, four guys kind of along the same lines. You know, smaller, hard-nosed, tough, all kind of strikers, all can kind of do some technical stuff. Orange, you know, being the least technical out of all of them, but, um, but everyone, it was so physical. And right. like you mentioned, the pace, every, we had the orange Zach thing, like you mentioned, the orange Shibata moment, mm-hmm. you know, where they both sat down Indian style and slapped <laughs> each other. Like they've obviously got a ton of history. You and I know all about that from the pisser last year. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think Kevin Kelly even brought up on commentary about like a talking to a fan who's like said, if, last year that if Shibata showed up, they would cry. I'm like, that was me. <laughs> I mean, I, did, I didn't talk to him, but yeah, we've told the story before where we and you and I were both pissing in the urinal. The moment his music hit, I was fortunately ahead of you. We locked eyes. You gave me a motherfucker. <laughs> I almost, I almost slipped because I literally put my dick away and sprinted out of that bathroom. <laughs> 
What a moment. What a uh, moment. Yeah, never forget. God damn it. Fucking Shabbat. But yeah, this, and I loved, I know some people maybe thought it was too much, but I loved the Garcia dance. <laughs> the guy has grown so much. Like, he came in as literally just a pure wrestler. And putting him with the Jazz has been incredible for him. Like, I think that Stable's days are numbered. I hope, like, Sammy's clearly kind of on his way out. Right. You know, they haven't been quite as prominently featured as a group. Like, I want to see this guy on his own, you know, doing his thing because he's just so damn good. Um, I will I agree with that. Ahead. I was going to say we were at uh, my friend uh, Tinder Mahal's uh, apartment, a.k.a. Joey O'Farrell, for those who know the BFR side of the world. Thank you, Joey, once again for having us over. Um When he did the dance and there was like six or seven of us in the room, it's like literally – Half the room what? loves it, yeah. and the other half of the room is just like, "Oh fuck this," you know. But I, oh, I was dying. But I, I personally, I think it's funny because I don't like it because I won't say I don't like it. It it irritates me because it plays into the sports entertainer angle that his For character sure. is all and about. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Right. So in that point, in, in that scenario, he's. I got to give him his credit because what he does, and I'm just like, man, motherfucker, this motherfucker. <laughs> he did it probably again. like, he did it probably five times. Yeah, he's getting a chopped. He's just like, yeah, chop me again. I'm just like, God damn it, man. Kick him in the balls or something. Shit, ain't no DQs. Just put him down for a little bit. But no, I love, I love uh, Danny Garcia. Uh, I think, honestly, he was probably the one guy of the four that kind of went underneath the radar in this whole match. Granted, he ate the pen, but... Um, in the in the grand the, scheme of things, he, the only like non-champ he was, as well, you yeah. know. And of course, they did that little thing after the match, you know, where they all each had their belt, or you know, it was Shibata and Orange first with the international belt, and they each got their own belt. So, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem. I was going to say it doesn't seem like this is over yet. Um, mm. But Zach clearly still has something going on with Samoa Joe too. So. I love it. I mean, you know, I said last show, like, Zach on the short list for Wrestler of the Year. Agreed. Thus far, I shit, I think it's got to be Kenny Omega at this point, if we're just being honest. That's another conversation. Yeah, but, he, he has a dance partner, and I'm wearing the man's shirt. I mean, what you want? Can, can Will Ospreay get some goddamn love? Don't let this well, man win the G1. Now you really got a conversation on your hands. I mean, it was him last year. It was him in 2019. It's, he's the best. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I'm just talking results and production, baby. Like, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. More, the more of that, the better. And the more of this, the better. Like, I, these three guys, yeah, let's do something else. Let's go. I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing at least two of the three at Wembley. Now, which two of the three you can get? Obviously, ZSJ is probably the one you want the most. But if you can do a triple threat with all three, Motherfucker, sign me up. For well, some I kind, like I kind, not to jump too far ahead. I kind of thought they would maybe do ZSJ Danielson at Wembley, but now, mm-hmm. you know, Danielson broke his arm. But you know, reports seem to be that he might be back in time for that show. But that's kind of what my what I had my sights set on. I mean, we're almost we're two months away. Yeah, I guess so you're right. Supposedly six to eight weeks that right. he's supposed to be out. So again. I don't know if they want to even announce that, knowing that it may not happen again. 
But that's kind of what I thought before this injury would happen. But again, we just said ZSJ's mixed up with Orange, with Shibata, with Samoa Joe. And that's not even talking about anything New Japan related. Right. So uh, I love it. But yeah, I'm sure we'll see something with these guys again somewhere down. Now, I was going to really say, it's not like they haven't done it before, like uh, the main event on Forbidden Door. But yeah, at some point, I'd like to see them dance one more Again. Next up, you had a match that caused a lot of controversy online in between BFR mates, my Bill and myself, and probably a lot of other people that watch wrestling on a regular basis. Everybody had an opinion. This match didn't last long, so you better have got your opinion in real quick. 1049, bell to bell, Sonata retains over Jungle Boy. Post-match, Jungle Boy turns on hook. I think that's the where... It wasn't even about Sonata, and it mm-hmm. and it wasn't about the title. Like I said before, the first match, MJF versus Tanahashi, was about the spirit of Forbidden Door. So, obviously, the IWGP champion would have to retain. A lot of people shitted on the fact that it was Jungle Boy. I get that. I wasn't. I said it on my on our uh, text thread. That it's, this feels a little underwhelming. Does should it feel underwhelming? And Brett said a little bit, but we still should get a good ass match out of it. I don't think we got a good match out of it. I think ultimately this was about the post match angle versus anything else. I'll give it three and a half stars. I felt like that we got the match that we should have gotten. Sonata. Not dominates, but basically takes advantage of situations, overpowers Jungle Boy, just outmuscles Jungle Boy in spots where Jungle Boy did get his offense in, but obviously didn't last long and kind of wait. I thought it should have went. You can't have the guy that beats Okada struggle against Jungle Boy. Thoughts on the match? Yeah, I also went three and a half. You know, I thought it was pretty good. The action was pretty good. And then it just ended on the moonsault, which is like, ah, really? That's it? Which he just, he hasn't won with the moonsault in a while. You know, I just assumed he would have kicked out and they would have built towards the shit. What's his move called? The new move called again? I don't even remember. Yeah, I was about to say it's that. Deadfall. Deadfall. Yeah, I was about to say it's the spinning, uh, like DDT so, or whatever. It just, yeah, it just felt incredibly flat. Like I said, pretty solid action. Going back to what you were talking about in terms of just the match itself happening, yeah, underwhelming, but again, when you have the top two matches on this card, plus that five-on-five match, you know, you knew you weren't going to get a super-duper banger, and it's Sonata. It's not Okada or Shingo or Osprey as the champ. It's Sonata, who's been very good, you know, with the belt, as we've talked about, but, you know, like you said, this was more about the Jungle Boy heel turn than anything, it's unfortunate that the IWGP championship, you know, didn't really get the respect that it should have on this show, but it is what it is. Uh, the card was pretty loaded. I wish the match was better. I wish it would have gotten a little more time, but it was solid. It is what it is. We'll move on. I am excited about the Jungle Boy heel turn, though, because, yeah. you know, uh, he's been a very big baby face since day one. Um, and, you know, part of the crux of his character has been in these big matches, these big moments, not having that killer instinct, not, you know, opting not to use a belt or a chair in moments other than that one time with Christian. So it de- it makes sense, too. Um, and again, just to, I'm just excited uh, for a new coat of paint for him because I think he's pretty good, you know, especially in ring. And, you know, his promo's, 
definitely the weakest part of his game, but it'll be a new, a fresh coat of paint, and it's easier to cut a heel promo than be a face. So, uh, yeah, I'm on board. And the more exciting thing, I think, is it'll finally be a real feud and match for Hook. Who, you know, largely just squash jobbers. Yeah, he had the thing with Ethan Page, uh, who I love, but, you know, that was definitely not really a big thing, unfortunately. So it'll be exciting to, as Bo said, finally take the kid gloves off a hook. So excited for a first real feud for him. One quick question, then we'll move on to the five-on-five. It was said in the room last night, I won't mention this person's name because he's not here to defend himself, but Bill said that this made Sonata look weak as champion. Do you agree? Uh, No, I wouldn't say weak. It didn't really do anything to help him or make him look better, but I don't think he looked weak coming out of this, but... Yeah, he didn't look strong, but I didn't. I don't think he looked weak. Next up, you had the five-on-five match. Um, BCC, uh, represented by John Moxley, Claudio Castiglione, and one Wheeler Yuta, uh, teaming up with Shoto Uno <laughs> and Takoshi Takeshita. Holy shit, that motherfucker needs to be in jail somewhere after what he did last <laughs> night. Uh, on the other side, you had Eddie Kingston, Tomoru Ishii, uh, Adam Hangman Page, and the Young Bucks. 21-29, bell to bell. Um, to catch the, I need to go back and watch more of his shit. What have I been detail. saying all along yeah. to everyone? Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of was getting like, you know, when he flipped heel and you can see when I think it was two weeks ago when Kenny ran in the ring to uh, to help somebody to make the save and he slid underneath the ropes and then he stood up next to the catch and the catch was kind of like Jake Lee over him. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. You like that? Oh yeah. Now I'm on board with this motherfucker. He there should have been some assault charges out for <laughs> to catch to the way he dropped. Told me. I mean, and for those who watch New Japan on the regular, you know you just don't drop. Tomohiro Ishii without laying the hammer down. Suzuki is the one guy that I'm like, okay, yeah, you got Ishii. Everybody else is just going to have to just sit there in the corner and just pray to God to get out. Go ahead. And the best part is on our text group, Azar, like after the first time Ishii and Takeshita mixed it up, Azar said something like, he should know better than coming after Ishii or something like that. And then I'm like, well, five minutes later, I'm like, well, I think he just murdered, I think Takeshita just murdered him. So I think he's okay. I'm like, God, I mean, the room erupted when he hit him oh, with yeah. that forearm and, and she just went down. I was like, oh, shit. You know, he might be dead. Yeah, I mean, everybody's hitting each other. And, you know, I'm getting pushed from two different sides. I mean, the room erupted. This was then, as far as I'm concerned, the best match of the night so far. Like I said, 21-29, bell to bell. You had the baby faces going over Tomori Ishii pins. We were you to another big mark out moment moment of the room uh for whatever reason bill just likes to make fun of will you so as you see tori ishii's coming down with the brain buster off the second row kind of like jumped off or whatever and gets the uh the lead to the pin i mean like the whole room i was actually it was just a brain buster on the uh the, the mat itself but either yeah, yeah. there the whole room jesse rust because 
for whatever reason, Bill taking uh, glee in the fact that we were you is getting this work makes all us all of us just giddy and all at the same point. It was just it was just a weird little moment in that little room because it's just weirdness to itself. Thoughts on the match, uh, Eddie Kingston? Uh, you got some explaining to do coming up here in a little bit. That's my next thought. What was your rating? Oh, I'm sorry. I gave it four. I gave it four and a half. Four seven five for me. This was fucking awesome. Just an absolute fuck fest. Just how I love it. Um, Takeshita, the clear MVP here, but I mean, kind of carried by the Kingston Moxley story, which you had you hadn't really mentioned specifically. But man, when Kingston took the bullet for him from the Bucks. Obviously, just their stare downs, their chops, you know, the fact that they were chopping each other for like two minutes straight, and then all 10 men are in the ring, and then everyone's flying around, and then those two are still chopping each other <laughs> through all t- of I'm it. I'm thinking Tai Chi fucking uh, you all over again. Like, somebody needs to be counting these chops because this is like yeah. 25, 30. I'm losing count. But, yes, this was a spot fest, absolutely, but it did have that nice story thread of the Mox Kingston stuff and, you know, everything surrounding it. So, yeah, I thought this was wonderful. Um, yeah, we need – we said it last night. We need a Takeshita Ishii singles match stat. I don't care where, when, what pro- promotion, what country. Just make it happen. Someone um, – where do we think this whole uh, – I guess – did they announce – officially blood and guts i feel like i saw a tweet about like a date or something but it might have just been a report that, that i saw i can't remember what the date was um but a date has Sometime been announced. in july i think right, so yes it's obviously you know this feud's been going for a little while you know i think it's going to probably happen there and do we get koto bushi who was absent on this show you know, I thought there would be a chance that he showed up. Um, yeah. And, you know, the moment Takeshita flipped, that's all we were saying. is like, okay, this is opening the door for Abushi, who has spoken candidly about wanting to be an AEW. We know he's every, the history with Omega, the Bucks, you know, many other people there. Do we get Abushi? And the, so it would be Abushi, Kenny, the Bucks, Hangman against the five or the four BCCs and Takeshita. I mean, feels like. That's got to be what we're heading towards, right? Um, I, I think a, a lot of us jumped the gun, and myself included. I'll throw myself underneath the bus. Oh, fuck it, I'll just speak for myself. I thought Abushi coming back made a lot of sense, but I think a lot of us forget the fact that Kota Abushi and New Japan are on the best of terms. For and, sure, and I thought about that last night as it pertains to Forbidden Door. Like, definitely makes sense why he didn't show up there, but I thought it maybe it's possible no and because the story that they're telling that you know kenny and the bucks you know I got, we got a plan you know you know i got friends everywhere so you know of course yep. everybody is just like oh shit here we go and look guilty as charged too i want to see koto bushi back i don't i miss him having if he's not in new japan you know it is what it is but i still want him to be active where i can see him whenever he wrestles so in that scenario i don't care where he pops up wembley makes a lot more sense just because it it's not new japan but you want koto bushi to be on a stage especially where it would make AEW feel 
bigger, more global versus trying to push round peg through square hole in a scenario where you you know he probably doesn't want to be fucking around with New Japan. So I think we all kind of jumped the gun on that one, myself included. If we get him at Wembley, shit, that works for me too. I don't. I mean, this match was good without him. I could only imagine oh. what we what it had what it would be with him in it. If we could extend this shit to blood and guts, or maybe to Wembley, I'm all for it. Hell yeah! Next up. Um, <laughs> I won't call it the the low point, but it, it definitely felt like it was uh, a match I wasn't really looking forward to, especially knowing what I knew coming into this bad boy, but we'll sidebar on that in 30 seconds. Uh, Tony Storm, uh, AEW Women's Champion versus Willow Nightingale, the New Japan Strong Women's Champion, not title for title, only Tony Storm's title was up for grabs. I thought Willow and Tony had really good chemistry here. I thought Tony Storm can step up to the plate for those who don't know she's been in stardom she's done all these amazing things so i expect a lot from tony storm when she came over to AEW. hasn't really been the case i thought this is one of her better matches i thought this was one of willow's better matches i thought though their physicality they can withstand each other so they can really go after each other and i thought they did so 10 27 bell to bell tony retains with a little fuckery happening going on um Three and a half, I gave it on the star rating. Uh, we'll talk about what happened before th- this match here in a second because it involves Brett's girl, Julia. But let's talk about the match first. What did you think about the match? Yeah, and I didn't even know about that until you guys were texting about it or commentary said something. So that was news to me and obviously very exciting. No, the match was fine. Um, you know, in a spot following that crazy five on five again, no real build or anything here. Uh, but good action three and a half, you know, I think is about right. Um, but I think we all knew the title wasn't changing hands here. I think fuckery was expected. Um, but yeah, I thought they both looked pretty good. Like you said, pretty good chemistry, really like Willow. You know, I think I'm maybe slightly higher on Tony than you, but yeah, I think she hasn't hit her ceiling that we know. She can hit, I don't think. But, you know, the Jamie Hayter matches were excellent for sure. You know, she's done some pretty good things. But, yeah, this was solid. Nothing to write home about. No, I, no, I love the Tony Storm talent. Just not a huge fan of the outcast gimmick. That's just me. Um, no, that's fair. Let's talk about the, I guess, I don't want to call it post-match, but the, I guess, earlier that morning in Japan after the cage match where DDM and Stars had a cage match for the artists of stardom titles. We won't spoil that just yet. Um, Julia called out one Willow Nightingale post-match for a shot at the New Japan Strong Championship. Now, I thought to myself, okay, just the fan of me got excited. But then I started to think about someone we haven't talked about in a little bit, and that's one Mercedes Monet. Is this the backdoor way to get the match that we were supposed to get anyway, but the champion is different? Yeah, I think it's got to be. Sorry, Willow. You know, thanks for thanks for holding on to it. But, uh, you know, this belt, if it's going to have any sort of meaning, 
because what's the point of it, for being honest? Like, you've already got the IWGP women's, like, do we really need another? But, you know, you strap it on Julia, you have Julia versus Mercedes Monet for, for it. Okay, that's something. Um, but, yeah, obviously we talked about the potential for this match. Um, you know, Julia, the what is it, the artist? Is that the six? Woman Championship Artist of Stardom, right? Yep. That's what it's called. Yep. <laughs> okay. The current Artist of Stardom champ should be the Red Belt champ, but uh, that is what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. Of course, uh, I'm be fired up about Will Ladies, so uh, yeah, fuck, let's do it. Um, I, f- I feel bad for Will, but uh, just. I thought she should have been the one to beat Jade. Thought she should not say she should have beat Tony, but um, she's going to lose to Tony, probably lose to Julia. I just feel bad for her because I think she's got a lot of talent and <clears throat> some of the booking decisions, which are justified. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit up here and say that Willow should beat Julia. I just can't. Okay. Just, I cannot physically say those words and mean it honestly. I think they should have a good match, no. and hopefully Will looks good and looks good in a loss. But when I start to think about it, I'm just like, man, there's been chances for Will to real, especially the the one with Jade. I know people are like, well, it's supposed to be Chris Statlin. I get who it's supposed to be, goddammit. Doesn't mean you can't change a fucking plan. Now you kind of messed around. You fucked up Jade. You fucked up Will Nightingale a little bit. And fall for Chris Statlin to come back. Another story for another time. I but- think... I think Willow just being in this mix is a good thing, though. You know, no. like if you're getting matches with Mercedes Monet, Julia, Tony Storm, having good performances, like her time will come. No, but I, I totally, totally get what you're saying. But the fact, I just think it's good for her to be in these situations, getting this experience. Crowds love her. She's a fucking beast. If it was anybody, and and I said this on BFR. So I'll, I have no problem saying it here. If it was anybody but Tony Khan booking Willow Nightingale, I would probably have a little more confidence in where Willow will go. I think with Tony, I think he has a ceiling for her. He, she might have hit it. Well, time will only tell, but hopefully I'm all wrong on this. I'll eat a big spoonful of I told you so's. No problem whatsoever. But like I said, we'll figure it out here in a little bit because obviously Willow and Julia feels like it's next up for Willow and the New Japan Women's title. Now, let's talk about it. You heard the music, late as it may be, but nonetheless, we had the rematch for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Will Ospreay basically coming in, scorched earth, fuck Canada and all things with Canada. Don Callis with his quote-unquote military armed personnel aside. uh, Somebody said that they looked kind of like Authors of Pain a little bit, or Bane was another good one, so I had a nice little chuckle on both of those jokes. Um, Omega comes in both bringing back old entrance music it felt like a big fight feel and it was a big fight feel I was thinking to myself I didn't think that there would be a way that they could surpass the first because the first in my mind is still a match of the year and then 39 minutes and 50 seconds later my mind was completely changed 
I think I will say this right now. I said it last night. I'm going to stand on it. This is the match of the year, hands down. I don't. It's going to take something incredible at this point for me to be convinced that this match. Hell, it's got to be taking something incredible for them to be the original match. And this superseded it. I'm not going to give it, you know, 15 stars. I'm not that dude. Okay. I max it five. We're giving it's it five. It's a scale breaker. <laughs> okay. We'll just call it that. Okay. It's a scale breaker. Fair enough. If you want to, if you want to go that route. But I'm okay. with you. I don't, I don't go a number. I just say fucking scale breaker. Yes. It, it, it was way, but if you wanted to give it six stars, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. Seven stars, no problem with that. It was callbacks from a lot of different ways. Uh, the Ibushi callback at the end was the one I was like, no, he is not going to give this food to Kamigoye. I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking great. Kicks out of the one-wing angel at one. I mean, it just... Will Ospreay, to me, and I know we're going to have, you know, at some point we'll, you know, delve out our first, you know, wrestlers of the year, male and female side, but I mean, God damn. Will Ospreay's got to be on the list. Zack Sabre Jr.'s got to be on this list. Kenny Omega's got to be on this list. For me, this was another crowning moment for Will Ospreay, making him a more of a household name for those who don't know who Will Ospreay is. Surprisingly, I've caught a lot of people that said that Juice Robinson has more charisma than Jay White, so that leads me to believe that there's a lot of people out there that don't watch New Japan or just seeing Jay White for the first time. So I would just assume under those same guidelines, you're catching Will Ospreay for the first handful of times, or maybe the first time. Will Ospreay has brought an amazing level of excellence to the ring. The characters on point. I don't care where the third one is. It could be on the moon. We're going to have to do this one one more time because there is no way we're going to get away with these two just having two matches. I need a tiebreaker. You guys put just getting a chronic, just like a, a chronically cold ice bath and just nobody wrestles until we figure out the next date so that way everybody's straight and we're ready to go okay i'm done spill on the match yeah it was incredible um i'm you know i said i'm not sure if it's better than the first i think it's equal event you know it's right on the same level um but i need to watch it a little more again uh but man yeah it was something special absolutely um excuse me um yeah where to start holy shit i think what i liked about it is firstly both guys were kind of in opposite roles than the last time you know osprey kind of turned out to be the heel or excuse me the face in the first match and kenny was the heel kenny had the majority of the offense osprey coming from underneath you know i kind of thought the crowd would be a little more like anti-osprey pro kenny but it was pretty yeah, it's about as even as you can get. I yeah. mean, not 50-50, but there was definitely a good amount of us, which was understandable. The guy's fucking unreal. This match was very much the inverse of the other match, where it was Will slamming Kenny through the table, yes. bloodying Kenny up yes. first, you know, really in control, taking his time just to, you know, dissect him. Menacing um, is the word I was uh, that yeah. was thrown around a little bit. I was like, yeah, that makes sense too. That, I had mentioned it. I'm like, this field, I said, the inverse. Like, I loved that. That, like, you know, obviously wasn't exactly the same, but just the way the match was structured was very similar, but the complete opposite. So I thought that was cool. 
Um, how did Osprey get busted open? Was that a, a shot to the stairs? Yes. I think I may have like looked away for a second and then, okay. Cause yeah. then they came up, there was blood on the stairs, man. That was a bad cut. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of spilling out for a little bit there, <sighs> but that, you know, both guys bleeding certainly kind of ratcheted this thing up. Callus coming back. Firstly, come on ref. Like, how the fuck are you going to let you, you throw him out? Right. You know, like, I, I'm not, it doesn't take away from the match for sure, but just talking strictly in kayfabe, like, you don't really see that too often. Like, when someone gets ejected from ringside, that they come back without any repercussions. Agreed. Um, so, if you wanted to ding the match, I could understand that being a reason. I will say this um, if it would have ended with the screwdriver shot and, uh, Stormbreaker call it a day. I would not have been happy. And but in the moment, I thought I'm like, oh fuck, this is it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Not realizing he was just close enough to the ropes to get it. So that was kind of that first like that took it to the next level for me moment where I'm like, okay, all right, now we're cooking. And then you know the Kamagoye, the one winged angel kick out at one. You already kind of went through it. Um, yeah, it was just amazing. And that you know I went into it. Kind of one, I wanted Osprey to win because I'm like, you know, I think this makes more sense. Um, you know, bring the belt back to New Japan. But as the match went on, it was one of those scenarios where just the performance of Kenny and the crowd and, you know, the heel face dynamics, I fucking wanted Kenny to win that thing. Uh, how did you feel like really coming into the match and just as the match was playing out, like who, you as a fan in the moment, like who were you wanting to see get the dub? Honestly, I, I don't, I didn't care. Um, I just wanted to see this, the next chapter play out. I, I picked Will Ospreay for uh, official purposes, but I love Kenny Omega. Obviously, I love Will Ospreay. So for me, I didn't have a rooting interest. I felt like as the match went on, I was kind of like, oh, man, what the fuck? How is Kenny going to get out of this? How the fuck's getting in the yeah. I mean, That's where it was just like, man, every time you thought, okay, this is it, you know, Will's going to win. The kick out immediately after, you know, the, the one ringing angel, I thought that was amazing. That's another callback. There was so much shit. That- the Tiger Driver 97 oh. when he literally just dumped him straight on his knob. That was straight out of all Japan in the 90s right Dude, there. that, once again, the room erupted. I was yeah. like, key just killed Kenny. What the fuck? I'm like, okay, this has got to be it, right? Kick out. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I'm just like, oh my God. You know, I mean, just a room of just grown ass men losing their fucking mind. That's what I wanted. I didn't care. Ultimately, it's going to, I'm watching both shows, so I'm going to see both guys. In my heart of hearts, as a New Japan guy, of course I want the New Japan guy to win. But I didn't really was like, you know, come on, Will. I just wanted to see the match that we end up seeing. It was amazing to watch. Like I said, I want to watch it again because I know there's so many things that I've well, probably forgotten in the last 12 hours since I watched it, bad boy. And it's it's one of the best matches I think I've seen in the late, in the last five six years. I'm I'm gonna be conservative. I won't I won't go <laughs> ever because you know Rock Hogan is one of my favorites, and I think. 
this is on that same line, if not a little better. So that's why I always want to just, you know, I don't want to be like that because I always think about oh, something else or another match that I haven't seen or forgotten about. But this, it's, like I said, match of the year. I don't care what nobody says. And for me, it was better than the first. You liked the first better than the second? No, I'm, I'm not saying that yet. I'm undecided. Okay. Uh, I, again, I think they're both scale breakers. They're both two of the best matches I've ever seen two of the best wrestlers I've ever seen, you know, some of the best chemistry I've ever seen along with Omega and Okada and Osprey and Shingo. Mm. So, you know, these guys are all kind of the best. So yeah, I'm not going to say the first is better. The second's better. I just need a little more time with it. Um, They're both fucking incredible. Um, no question. I was kind of trying to go back in my mind and think like what my reactions were like during the first one, but I just could, I think I watched that show alone, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. But like, you know, having a few people in the room last night certainly kind of helped energize. You know, that always helps. We, it was four of us watching. So it wasn't like a huge crew, but yeah, it was fucking awesome. And yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, can't wait to rewatch it. And I'll probably end up watching both of them back to back at some point when I can find the time. Mm, but uh, that's easy. That, I yeah. like where your head's uh, at on that. One thing, because I had mentioned it via text both before the show and during the match, you know, at any point, well, we knew it was going to be an hour time limit because I'd said, look, maybe they go a 30 minute time limit and they do a draw and then they do the rematch at Wembley and Osprey gets the big win there. At any point, because I think I texted it shortly after the 30-minute mark, think this is going 60. Obviously, it only went about 40. You know, it kind of felt like, okay, maybe they could keep stretching this. But after Callis came back, which I think was like right after I sent that text, right. pretty much knew it wasn't going to be at that point. But at any point, did you think maybe this is going to a draw? No. I just yeah. – I just that would have been asking a lot though, at the pace they were setting. Yeah. So, and for me, I was just like, how, the question is, how is it going to end? That's what I said out loud after like the Tiger uh, Driver 97 where he damn near killed Omega. I was like, how the fuck is this shit going to end? There's no, I mean, Kenny keeps kicking out of everything. I mean, Will is throwing everything at the uh, at the kitchen sink at this motherfucker and we threw the kitchen sink. It, it still didn't matter. So for me, it was more like, how is it going to end versus is this going to be a draw? But if it ended in a draw, I wouldn't have been mad. But ultimately, I think they did it the way they did it because they knew they had Danielson and Omega in their back pocket. If this was the main event, it probably it could have went a draw and I wouldn't have blinked. You mean Danielson Okada? Yeah, but so yeah, I feel you. So real quick, we kind of texted about it last night. I do think number three happens at Wembley unless okay, there's gonna Kenny will be in one of the three following matches: Kenny versus Osprey. Kenny versus Okada, Kenny versus Punk. Just going to be one of those three. I think Kenny Punk is by far the least likely, but who knows? It's can never say never in this business for sure. No doubt. Uh, but you've got to have one of those marquee matches for this huge show. Agreed. Would I, would I love to see Omega Okada? Fuck yes, I would. Um, I just think strike while the iron's hot, you know, um, two months after, like if not Wembley, then when? I right. guess they could do Wrestle Kingdom, but I just I think Osprey will be winning the G1 and probably winning the world title at Wrestle Kingdom. But who knows? 
but what do you think? I think you kind of seemed a little more against Wembler, not thinking they would run it back quite as quickly, but... <sighs> A part of me kind of doesn't want them to because I'll, I'll kind of want, you know, I want it to breathe a little bit. But if they, that's totally fair, but if they run it back know. at Wembley, I'm not going to say, like, no, let's not do it. Yeah. It just it, that match was for me just so much of an emotional ride where I was just like, I, I literally, as soon as the bell rang, I walked out the door onto the patio and immediately started smoking a cigarette. I didn't oh, even look at the, 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 uh, the post match where he's, uh, the, Omega is uh, reaching for the uh, the IWGP Championship or the U.S. Championship, and uh, Will's just kind of moving away from like you dirty motherfucker. But I love it, <laughs> okay. And that's that's why I love Will Ospreay in this whole match. The build to this match, he had no problem being the heel, and he didn't lean into it. He laid on to that motherfucker, okay. Will Ospreay versus Omega at Wembley. I'm down for it if it happens that way. If it doesn't, you know they'll they'll figure it out. If it I'm, I'm kind of lean with you with G1, but obviously we'll talk about that. Here yeah, that's another little, yeah. conversation. Yeah, uh, real sure. quick, just one thing I want to say before we move on. Uh, for any of you uh, marks out there, trolls, internet assholes, for anyone out there that's ever mm-hmm. said that Kenny Omega sucks or yeah. fuck Kenny Omega, yeah. fuck you, yeah. okay? Fuck you! Yeah. That's all I got. No, that that I think it, <laughs> either either one of these two He's matches just... should start to quiet motherfuckers down. I mean, good lord, what the fuck else you want from the man? He spilled blood for Christ's sake twice. Um, probably the low point He's of the match. Simply one of the greatest. Of these- Simply one of the greatest of all, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, let's go. No, that's about to say that there's an argument to be made for sure. Uh, if he's on your Mount Rushmore, I ain't gonna be mad at you for far from it. Um, unfortunately, my boy uh, Naito was, uh, in my opinion, in the low part of the card. The worst rated match of the night. Uh, <laughs> Bill sitting next to me, he's like, "You need a towel when he comes out." I was like, "Nah, I should be straight." But thank you, I appreciate that. Um, Sting, Darby Allen, and Naito versus Jericho, Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara. Um, I think the whole match kind of turned on the the six thirty where Sammy hits Sting with that, that six thirty, and I thought to myself, "There's no way that they're going to let Sting do this spot. No way. He's good. Sting's going to move." He, he hammered him. <laughs> Down, and from that point, that the whole match just felt like it was okay. There was a point where Jericho was pinning Naito, and Sting literally walked by them to go back to the corner. I'm like, what the fuck? So all this other chaos means nothing at this point. Now you're gonna be like, and obviously my boy Naito was the one getting pinned. If it was somebody else, I probably wouldn't have had this reaction. But as a mark, I reacted. As a mark, I'm like, how you not going to kick fucking Jericho on the way back to the corner? That's all I'm asking. Don't leave your boy and leave it in the lurch. Anyway, neither here nor there. Chemistry was off. And like I said, for me, it really hinged on the fact where Sting got hurt and kind of felt like a quick finish. Like, you know, hey, fellas, somebody's hurt. Let's go ahead and wrap this Joker up. It looked like Sting was okay post-match because obviously they did a post-match uh, angle with the at the presser, but neither here nor there. I gave it three stars. Yeah, that's about right. What was the angle? I didn't watch the press conference. Uh, Jericho comes back uh, in the presser, and they uh, announce a tag match, Sting and Darby versus Jericho and Sammy. I believe it will be on um, Dynamite on Wednesday. Gotcha. 
Yeah, yeah. The ma- it was fun. You know, it was cool seeing Naito and AEW and teaming with Sting and Darby. But yeah, you're right. It it didn't really click. It was chemistry was off, like you said. You know, the six thirty was fucking awesome. <laughs> that was very impressive and looked great. Sting got fucking hammered, but yeah, I mean, I thought the <clears throat> the dynamite match with Sammy Suzuki and Jericho against AR Fox. Darius Martin and Andretti was leaps and bounds better than this. You know, I think I went three seven five on that. And yeah, I'll throw this three and a quarter. Why not? I'll give it a little bump. But yeah, it wasn't. It was in a spot too where you know, there uh, the crowd. A lot of the crowd was probably taking a piss, getting Exhausted. a drink. You know, we've we've been there in those moments, and yet yeah, we've never been there for a match like that. But, uh, yeah, like you said, God, I need to go smoke a cigarette. I need to piss. I need to hit my weed pen. I need I need to step away for a minute. So, you know, whatever match that was going to be put in that spot was going to suffer as a result. Agreed. So, <clears throat> but all things considered, you know, it was, again, it was a fun match. It was cool. I'm glad it happened, but it wasn't anything special. It was very cool to see Naito in AEW. Um, I wish he would have taken his fucking shirt off, but as Azar said, it was a six-man tag, and he never does. <laughs> At least he's consistent. Fuck all that. Uh, <laughs> I ain't but, uh, that much. But, yeah, I think it's about time for Sting to hang him up. You know, he's so much better than I expected. You know, I... When they first signed him, I'm like, God, I don't want to see this guy wrestle. But he has exceeded all expectations. Agreed. You know, they've gotten a lot more out of him than I think they probably expected. But like Tanahashi, even larger. I mean, the man's 64, I think. Um, The fact that he's even been able to do the things he's done after that neck, he's about toast out there. So, you know, I like that they're doing the he and Jericho thing. It's like kind of a throwback nostalgia. Like, you know, let's have these guys mix it up. Uh, But, you know, I don't know if they'll do like a Sting retirement type show. You know, maybe it'll happen. Maybe Wembley, maybe full gear, something. They'll have a match. I don't know. But I think it's time for the man to, (coughs) excuse me, to hang him up. But, yeah, like I said, incredibly impressive the run that he's had here the last few years. No, I had very little expectations, and he's superseded them by far. Just hope he's okay going into uh, that tag match because, Jesus, he just crushed that poor dude. And then, obviously, we had the main event, uh, one Brian Danson versus Kazucha Okada. No titles, no nothing. Title of... I guess best wrestler in the world is what they were throwing around on commentary. I have no problem with that as a, you know, Tyler, if you want to throw it on the winner, so be it. Did not know that Danielson broke his forearm, but as I thought about it towards the end with the label lock, he didn't, he couldn't. When commentary was referencing it too about, you know, he's really only got use of one arm, but yeah, similar I had no idea till earlier today when mm-hmm. I saw read something. Like I said, I didn't watch the press conference, but yeah, do you know when or how it happened? No, um, I just I do remember me looking at the little bell lock towards the end, and I'm sitting there thinking like he's not used, he's not you know 
clasping the hands together and it was it yeah. kind of was like you know almost protecting it in, in certain <clears throat> spots so i was like okay something's up i just thought it was kayfabe very similar to the convulsions that he did in the middle of the yeah match. that was that was a little that was a little little much if i'm being honest like it threw me given given his history you know it's like oh God, like i think like a lot of us watching are probably like is this real is he okay and, I didn't necessarily yeah. hate it, but I didn't think it was necessary for this. Yeah. It match. was a, it was a little little much, right? Just a little much. But yeah, I'm with you. Like I don't hate it, but it's what heels do. So okay, I get it. Yeah, but maybe this shouldn't have been the way you went about it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Everybody wants to see everybody walk out of here in one piece. And the fact that they even teased that wasn't necessarily uh, my cup of tea, per se. Neither here nor there. Um, Okada tapping out w- w- made this, you know, rowdy room get real silent real quick. I was like, what yeah. the fuck? He tapped out. I'm like, man, what the fuck is happening? I'm like, it's stunned. I'm like, did somebody just kick me in the dick? And I just did, I'm just now realizing it. What the fuck like, happened? 27 47 bell to bell. Danielson wins by submission. Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still in stun. I'm just like, I keep thinking about it randomly. Like, damn, what kind of tag yeah, last night? That's crazy. Well, our, the group text with me, you, and Azar was like, I think I just gave like a wow in all caps. You maybe like a what the fuck or stunned. stunned. You know, all three of us <laughs> in a row are just like, yeah, man, I don't know. That was crazy. Um, confirmed, I think confirmed first time he's tapped the 2015 G1 block final Chris against Samson. Yeah, Chris Samson threw against, that out there. Uh, Nakamura, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, which Azar pulled that one out right away. Kudos yep. to him. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what'd you give the match, first of all? Uh, I gave you four and a half. Me too. So, you know, yes, I would say this match did fall short of expectations. Not significantly by any means. Four and a half, it was still a really good match. Absolutely. Obviously, Danielson's injury certainly could have changed changed things. Um, I watched Being the Elite today. Nick Jackson had made a quip about Okada's match being nearly an hour, going almost an hour tonight. So I don't know how much of that was just fucking around or how much of that. Because that was like clearly taped before the show. So I don't know. Maybe it did get cut short. You know, it definitely seemed like it could have got. It, they had more in the tank, I think. Um, so, you know, maybe it was supposed to go longer. I don't know. But again, for what we got, still a damn good match. It was awesome to see these guys tangle. But yeah, it just didn't quite get to an epic level. But Danielson tapping out Okada is pretty epic, if you ask me, and yeah. something none of us saw coming. And, nope. you know, within the scope of the match, I think made sense. You know, it was always going to be a battle of, you know, Danielson's technical skill against the speed power of Okada. And, hey, he got out technical and was literally in a position where he had no other choice than but to tap out. Like, both of his arms were fucked. Did he do I bet he didn't want a broken arm, so... You know what he did? He tapped the fuck out. So, again, um, you know, it was stunning. It was somewhat abrupt. It was unexpected, but pretty fucking cool. And, again, like I said, didn't. it's not a five-star match. It wasn't as good as I think maybe we were wanting or expecting, but still a damn good match. Still fucking glad it happened. And, 
you know what? I'm pretty sure this is probably going to happen again at some point again. So, uh, yeah, it was still wonderful, wonderful stuff. No, I agree. Um, I don't even think that the – Danielson injury even hurt this match that much. It just felt like it was it felt with the flow of the match Okada, uh, I think once again, commentary making a very good point. G1 season is ahead of us. He can't go into yeah, G1 the, with the, the business decision or whatever. Like, you know, he made a business decision to tap. Yeah. No, and at that point, I'm like, okay I'm, once again, not mad, but just like I said, I felt like, you know, somebody kicked me in the dick and I'm just, you know, I felt it like 30 seconds afterwards. I'm walking to the car like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> <don't> when, <laughs> especially with the year Okada's had. I mean, yeah, he was champ in the beginning of the year, but since dropping the, and really has been no nonsense, leaning, kind of leaning heel. You know, he's not a full heel, but definitely been more heel leading this year. You know, just would not have expected him to tap out at all, just the state that he's been this year. So, you know, it is, quote-unquote, an exhibition match in a sense, but it's not for any titles, you know, other than the the best-in-the-world thing, as you said. But like like you said, for Okada, the G1's coming up. That in, you know, kayfabe is a lot more important than this match. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I – I don't know if he had any remarks after the match, but, you know, we'll be curious to see kind of how he responds and if and when he calls Danielson out for a rematch because you know he's going to want it and uh, get get that W over him. So, again, I expect this will go future matches. You know, obviously Danielson's going to be out for a bit and, you know, who knows, may take two years before they end up completing the trilogy, but I think it's going to (sighs) happen. Jesus you're going to make me stay alive for two years for this shit. Now, just like five minutes ago, I was like, I can't, I can't do this shit too much. You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, just last final thoughts so we could keep moving along. Um, you kind of said it and your, uh, your screen name kind of at least hints towards it. We were at forbidden one to uh, forbidden door one. And I caught myself at certain times thinking to myself, did we miss the better show? So I'll ask you flat out, did we miss the better show? No, we did not. Um, We missed the better match. That's for damn sure. There certainly wasn't a match at that level. Um, You know, I had Orange and Osprey yet again as the best match from last year at four and three quarters. You know, not in the same stratosphere as Osprey Omega. It's still a damn good match. But I just think as a show, it was, and again, we're biased. We were there. Um, it was just, it felt like a more complete show. <clears throat> you know, the one thing was Adam Cole getting injured last year. But just, this year, too. Oh, yeah, that we didn't even talk about that, which I didn't even think about until after the show. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that match was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. But. I just think on a match-to-match basis, I think Forbidden Door 1 had better matches. I think, again, we were part of it, but I think the crowd was a little hotter for one, given that it was the first. And I even said it in our text. I truly believe that putting QT and Solo against Fisherman in the first match of the pre-show really did a great job of setting the tone for the night because the crowd was fucking boiling for that match. <laughs> and I watched the whole pre-show this year. It never got anywhere close to that level. Like they were into it, but like, I feel like we were super into the pre-show and that match with, it was Keith Lee and Swerve against Despy and Kanamaru was yeah. fucking awesome. Um, 
I just really believe that the pre-show last year did a better job of just getting the crowd hype. Not that they weren't, you know, it was still a great crowd. Last that was night. I- Don't get me wrong. Um, but to me, number one just felt more special. Yes, again, we were there. But just, <laughs> even despite all the injuries that happened last year and, you know, unsure of what this show was going to turn out to be, like they clearly exceeded expectations last year. And I think the bar was very high this year. And I'm not saying it didn't meet it or even exceed it, but I just don't think it was a better show than number one. You know, I just think there are a little more, I don't want to say dud matches, but, you know, MJF Tanahashi, Sonata and Jungle Boy, uh, Willow and Tony Storm, probably equivalent to Tony and Thunder Rosa from last year. Mm. And then uh, six man towards the end. Like those three matches were worse than anything on Forbidden Door 1, I think. So I just think the quality of matches last year was stronger, a little bit more <clears throat> special given the circumstances. Um, but Omega Osprey, obviously by far the best match on either two show. But uh, yeah, again, I'm biased. But uh, how are you feeling? Um, my knee jerk reaction was, was to think that we we missed the better show because Omega Osprey was just so transcendent that it it kind of just fucked with my head, even with. Osprey, I'm sorry, with uh, Danielson and Omega not ending, I won't say abruptly, but with a tap out finish, I thought, you know, damn, you know, these were two good matches I'd love to see in person. But your argument for why Forbidden Door 1 was better does make more sense. I never felt like there was maybe a lag or two, unfortunately. Tony and uh, Thunder Rosa was probably the one time where I was just kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. And they did, and that match didn't last long, so it, you didn't really give me a reason to, you know, get emotionally invested. Really, outside of that, I mean, there was a, I think it's because it was the first one, and there was just so much anticipation for it. You had big stars, you know, really meeting for the first time in situations like this. Now it's. It, it's now being a little more commonplace and we'll talk about all together here next. I, I, I don't have a problem with that I, but because two matches were really, really great. I doubted that we were at the right show, but ultimately the first one will always be remembered. So you can't take that away from us. So in that scenario, I can, I can deal with, I can deal with that. I don't have a problem with it. And the Shibata moment again, not the poor salt in the wound here, but like that from, <laughs> For me personally and my fandom was such a big fucking deal. And to be with Orange as well, who I also love, you know, like, and then everything that's happened since then with those two has been amazing. So, yeah, it's just, it's one for me. Um, you know, I think, and just, it just, like I said, a more complete whole show with less lulls, less weaker matches, and just having that kind of specialness to push it over the edge. But, uh, both of them are top, top quality. Like, you know, Forbidden Door for me was show of the year last year. This year it's probably fourth or fifth, and it's only late June. You know, maybe that's speaking to the quality of shows this year compared to last year, but Forbidden Door 1 the best show I've ever been to by far. It's going to take something special to top that. We still have to talk about if we're going to SummerSlam this year. <laughs> um, not saying that's going to top it, but no, I think it'll no. probably be pretty good at the rate WWE's going right now. But uh, anywho, um, 
yeah, great shit. Uh, you stole my next question. I was going to ask you is we said that, uh, well, you said that stardom queendom is probably your card of the year. You said this was uh top five. I can agree with that. Um, uh, Still, it's either it's either Queendom or uh, Sakura Genesis. I can live with that. All right, let's talk about quickly talk about all together because obviously we have um, missed a good chunk of time, probably like two, almost three weeks. It's the ninth, twenty uh, eighth. So yeah, been a little bit. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but this felt like a a precursor to Forbidden Door but just not with AEW stars you had all Japan stars obviously the entrance music of one Kento Miyahara is what I picked this week because now it feels like he's dragging me over to all Japan to spend $900 and give them a subscription but Brett my brother has sent me a couple links from sources that we cannot name on the air but if you want to you know slide to my DMs I can give you that said source but he sent me some links to where it has saved me the cost of no, another 900 yen to cough up to another subscription service. So I thank you very much for that, my friend. Let's talk about a couple of matches. Let's talk about this match because it's the main event. So we can start there and kind of talk about two or three matches. Like I said, don't want to spend a too much time on this, but there's a couple of matches I really wanted to talk about. Uh, this match, obviously, the main event, you had Kento Miyahara versus, and Kaito Kiyomiya and Tanahashi versus Yuma Aoyi, Okada, and Keno. Um, a nice little mix of, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for, characters, where it wasn't all baby faces together, it wasn't all uh, heels together. Keno and Okada, I thought, had some really interesting uh, chemistry oh, there, yeah. where it felt like at any given point, you know, one or the other was going to snap on uh, each other. Iogi, Yuma Iogi, God bless him. He just felt like the little brother <laughs> that was tagging along, just like, come on, guys, you know, work with me. Don't don't fall on hard on me just yet. So that was fun to watch. And just seeing, for me, Kento Miyahara is someone I don't get a chance to see a lot. He has now made me a huge fan, like I said, coming into it. Thank you, Brett, for allowing me to save 900 extra yen per month because I was on the verge of starting to go ahead and making a very high – guilty purchase and getting the all japan network but you have saved me on that so thank you for that thoughts on the main event for all together yeah this is maybe a top 10 match of the year for me i fucking love it was just so cool to see you know these are six of the top stars two from each company you know obviously we've already talked about tanahashi is who he is but you know kento and yuma definitely like the two top guys in all japan uh, Keno and Kaito, we know, are two of the top guys. And Noah, and just like you said, the interactions that we got out of this. The Kaito-Okada story continuing. Great stuff out of that. You know, maybe we'll see them somewhere in the G1. Obviously, they're in different blocks, but it kind of seems like, you know, that ain't over yet. No. Um, the Kento-Okada stuff. Again, two of the biggest stars in Japan, period. Very similar character-wise as well. Um, you know, seeing those two mix it up. Tanahashi just in there doing his fucking thing, just being Tanahashi. <laughs> Yuma, like you said, like just trying to just keep things on track and just fight. Um, it was just so cool. And something, you know, coming into this year, never would have expected or thought, you know, we've talked a lot 
on this show about the collaboration, you know, amongst the Japanese promotions, which had never really nowhere close to this degree since I've started watching six years ago or whatever. So it's just really, really fucking cool. There were just so many cool exchanges, cool moments in this. Like you said, the Keno Okada chemistry was a lot of fun, you know, them teaming up together on certain things. I think they may have like hit a fist bump at one point. Um, just so much <laughs> great shit riddled throughout this. And uh, Okada pinning Tanahashi clean in the middle after yeah. a rainmaker just made all the sense in the world. Uh, um, yeah, I went four and three quarters on it. <clears throat> but yeah, just in terms of just one of my favorite matches of the year, just given all of the circumstances, all of the players involved. And yeah, like you said, this is kind of like a forbidden door show to a degree in the sense that, you know, all three of these promotions coming together, you know, only one singles match on the card and it was one of the worst matches on the show. But, you know, that was kind of to be to be expected here. But this was a money, money match. And I loved every second of it. No, I thought it was really good. Um I want to go to the next match. I guess this, let's call it. This, well, it is the semifinal match. Um, these were definitely the two best matches on the show yeah yeah, yeah, for, yeah for sure and then uh i just wanted to kind of like give some uh i guess little flowers to individuals that kind of yeah. caught my eye uh and made me want to watch more of all, all japan uh semi-final match was rising hyato uh hyata and master wado versus hiromu amaska and azuki uh Oyoye. so i'm assuming azuki or Atuki, their brothers. Their brothers. Yeah. Atuki yeah. is Atuki the younger brother. Yuma. Yes. Okay. And yeah, he's the junior. Yuma's the heavyweight. So. Okay. So uh, we'll talk about these two jokers here in a little bit because they had a uh, interesting little uh, exchange, for lack of a better term. Um, for me, two guys really stood out, and that's uh, the younger brother, uh, the younger Aoki, and Rising Hayato. I never knew who this person was. This is the first time I saw him, and he literally leapt off the screen. Just for the, what is it, 12-23, the match went. I thought he was one of the, the guys that really stood out, him and the younger Iogi. Thoughts on the uh, six-man semifinal? Yeah, um, all Japan juniors. I haven't seen much of them. Like I've seen uh, Atsuki, you know, in a couple six mans or tags here and there. Maybe seen Rising Hayato once or twice. Not not familiar with him much. But you're absolutely right. Both of these guys looked tremendous in this match, uh, and made me want to see them even more. Like you said earlier, um, you know, I know Hiromu has seems like he's trying to challenge everyone from other companies, which I love even though he doesn't have a title defense scheduled anytime soon. But I know he's said something about wanting to fight Rising Hayato coming out of this match. Uh, but, yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Those two jumped off the page. They looked awesome. Um, I saw Atsuki be, was in one of those tag matches uh, from the All Japan shows uh, like a week later as well. Um, but, yeah, just a very, very fun match. Great mix, you know. Hiromu and Amaska, you know, they had their match earlier this year. They've got some history. So, you know, being on the same team here. Uh, but, yeah, just very, very fun junior action here. Uh, for the record, I gave the semifinal and the main event four and a quarter stars. Um, I was four on the semi and 
four seven five on the main, as I said. Ain't, ain't mad at you either way. Just oh, uh, June Saito. There, that's a guy that I wanted to kind of. Uh, Call out, I wouldn't even say call out a little bit, but he was in a match uh, with his brother Ray, uh, Dan Tamura, Haiki Saito. Uh, yeah, I hadn't really seen any of those guys before, so. <laughs> he was the one that kind of stood out for me in this <clears throat> in this match just for the simple fact that he both was. Those, both those voodoo murders, fucking monster. <laughs> oh, no, he was talking a, a, a lot of shit before the match even started getting in uh, United Empire's face. Um, basically trying to intimidate the uh, United Empire for lack of a better term. In this case, it was Akira, TJP, Hanari, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb. I'll just say this. As much as I love that, this is how it basically end up coming down. See, as you can see, the more you fuck around, the more you're going to find out. And unfortunately, your boy found out the wrong way. End up taking the pin, but I thought, you know, I love the fact that he was just like, you know, fuck all you United Empire motherfuckers. I'm trying to get in that ass. He stood out to me in that scenario. Uh, one more other guy that I had a asterisk next to him, and I'm going to b- butcher his name, but he was the partner of Kojima in this match. Yeah. Um, Hokutoyo. Okoto Amori. Thank you. Um, he really stood and out. Another to guy I hadn't seen before either and similarly really liked as well. Yeah, he's really stood out to where I, I, I thought that it's somewhere I'm sure that I would cross New Japan at a later point. It's someone that I wanted to keep my eye out for. I'll throw it to you for the the fifth, the, the six fifteen, the six seventeen matches because these are a lot of these guys. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of these guys. I don't know the six fifteen. I can throw, I can start that off. Um, you had- well, hold on, real real quick. I do want to just mention a couple more matches here. Go ahead. Uh, after the final two, my next two favorite, which you hadn't mentioned, were uh, Chris Ridgeway and Sean mm-hmm. Legacy defeating ZSJ and Kosei Fujita. And the match before that was Ishii and Bishamon against Daiki Inaba, Masa Kitamiya, and Yoshiki Inamura. That one only went eight and a half minutes, but was just a slugfest like you would want from those guys. I just, you know, really liked the interactions between both those teams. And then Ridgeway is a guy, you know, I even texted you earlier watching that junior tag title match, you know, this match, a couple others of his recently. Like, this guy's awesome. You know, I've only really been seeing him more recently. Um, I know you've seen him in progress before, uh, but man, this guy, he's, I think he's like only 28, you know, I think there's a bright future ahead for this guy. Uh, he just continues to impress and impress, uh, even legacy, you know, that's a guy who's kind of just come over that, you know, he's short, but fucking jacked as hell. And he can fly around. Like, I think he's, he's pretty exciting as well. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, give those matches a shout out. Cause I quite enjoyed them. No, I agree with Sean legacy. He, he kind of reminds me of AJ styles before AJ styles is a big deal. Uh, Chris Ridgeway, uh, ZSJ with an edge, a little, if uh, for so sure, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Jose, uh, the fact that, uh, that the fact that he's even in these matches and he's holding—I won't say holding his own, but he's not being treated like a young lion is supposed he to. He doesn't feel like a young lion at all, because you know, young lions are never in factions. You know, like 
wouldn't surprise me if they just kind of said at some point that he's not, you know, kind of like they did with Kevin Knight. Like I'm pretty sure he graduated like during the junior tag league last year. He, so, uh, Fujita has basically said that he's not a junior. He's, <laughs> he's a full flam- full fledged member of TMDK. Take it for what it's worth. You know, until you quote unquote, like you said, until you quote unquote graduate, you're still your mind yeah. in my little eyes, but that's just me. Okay. And then actually, oh, okay, I no, got go, it. one go. more. Since, since we're still going to be talking all Japan here, yeah. I'd at least mention this on our text thread. I just want to bring it up real quick based on, it was, the guy's name is Paul. I don't have his last name, but he does, it's the Emerald Flow Show, which is on Voices of Wrestling, which is also where Super Cast is, which I listen to a lot. So they had this guy on to review the show. And he was just talking a lot, you know, about Noah, like kind of the current state of Noah in all Japan, which, you know, we watch a lot more Noah than all, but like, you know, we don't really know behind the scenes what's going on, what these companies. And so just to hear him talk much, much more highly about all Japan and kind of the future of all Japan compared to Noah was very interesting. And I mean, we just talked through that show and how impressive so many of those All Japan guys were, how many young guys they've got. And just kind of hearing him talk, he's like, yeah, Noah, with like their Abima deal, which is the TV that's like bigger than Bushi Road, which owns New Japan. So like, he's like, they are, they have cash. They've got all the money, but they don't really have, the booking hasn't been great. You know, it's been better this year, but in terms of future top guys, it's a lot of old motherfuckers there, and right. they do not have a lot in the cupboard of like young guys. Like, like Go, all Japan kind of does. It feels like. Whereas all Japan does have a lot more. Like, yes, they've been the belts on Nagata now, but they've got a lot of young guys coming through the pipeline that look really impressive. So, it was just a very interesting, enlightening conversation, and. Again, after seeing, because I'm someone who's kind of written off all Japan over these past few years, like outside of Kento and Jake Lee, right? I wasn't really watching much of it, but I also wasn't really hearing about much of it. And you know, anytime I'd watch their shows, it's always small venues, but the crowds are always into it. Um, so again, it just kind of opened my eyes to just kind of understanding more about each company. And they talked a little about like. Maybe Noah makes a play to get Kento, you know, because they've got money and they need to start, you know, either developing from within or getting a star from somewhere else. But, you know, there's not a ton of options, but just really kind of how the future of Noah is really not in a good place compared to the future of All Japan. They said if All Japan had the money Noah had, they'd be fucking cooking. Uh, But I think that's kind of their issue is they just don't really have a lot of money. So. Again, just interesting stuff. And, you know, as we're kind of digging more into all Japan and really just all Japanese wrestling in general, just figured it was worth uh, bringing up here. Pruezu. Yes. Got it in. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the two all Japan shows. Uh, well, the two, I guess, shows or the, the individual matches themselves. Uh, 6.15, you had Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyi versus Kento and Manabua Soya. This match was for the All Japan uh, Tag Team Championships. I didn't write the time down. That's my bad. Uh, gave it four stars. You had Miyahara and Aoyi win the titles off of Kento and Manabua Soya. Not a, not a, 
uh, I don't really say I'm not mad about it. I'm just I love Sawyer to the point where I wish that he would have gotten more of a run with the tag titles because it feels like this could be his ceiling, maybe a national title run if you if he gets hot again. But it feels like right now we're seeing at least booking wise the best that uh, Madabu Soya is going to be obviously Keno is who he is he'll bounce, bounce back no problem already announced for the N1 tournament can't remember the date off the top of my head but obviously we'll talk about that as we get close thought about the thoughts about the tag team title change well firstly what about your boy Kevin Kelly just tossing Soya fucking directly under the bus I don't know if you caught it but when he was talking about Sonata's kind of arc this year here and then he's like and then he lost to a noah guy who was beneath him i, did, I didn't catch that. about the soya match when they had right. it. <laughs> that's that's a little harsh because i agree i think soya's had a nice year this year and i think he looked really good in this match as well the crowd was into him for sure, you know, I thought they'd be much heavier on the All Japan team, which I think overall they were. But Soya was, you know, being a former All Japan guy, was getting the good reaction. I went four and a quarter. Yeah, really enjoyed the match. Um, you know, I think the title change makes sense. I think it was cool just to even have Keno and Soya get okay. them coming over from Noah. Um, I think they defended them one or two times, maybe. Um, but yeah. Very solid match, and uh, the I really love the team of Keno and or excuse me Kento and Yuma because we know the history they have. Like they they are a tag team, but they've had some epic battles. Um, Yuma finally he beat he's never beaten him for the title. He's never been triple crown champ, but he beat him in the champion carnival last year. So you know just it, great history between those two. But yet they're also tag team champions. So uh, yeah, good stuff here. Uh, let's jump to the 17th of uh, this month. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the tag team uh, match you sent me, or well, the first tag team match. Uh, not even going to try. I'm going to let you handle this one. <laughs> yeah, let me find it here. It was Yuji o- Okabayashi and Daisuke Sekimoto from go. Big from Big Japan against Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa of All Japan. And there was a lot of beef in this ring, wasn't there? And big beanie men slapping beef. <laughs> I'm like, good lord. It started off a little slow, but then all of a sudden, it's like Suwama was just like, I'm fucking everybody up. And then from that point on, this match went to a whole nother level. And the crazy part about it is I couldn't really tell. Suwama was the one person I could tell, like, I know who he is. I'm just not sure who these other three guys are. Ultimately, I didn't even give a fuck at at a certain point. I was just like, these guys are beating the shit out of each other. I am here for it. 21-52, bell to bell. Um, I gave it four and a quarter stars. Me Uh, too. And and uh, Obioski won, just for the record. I'm sorry. Yeah, I figured you would enjoy this. Um, Had you seen any of these guys before? No. Okay. So Okabayashi, I know you've heard me talk about him. He's a guy that Azar and I fell in love with. He was in the, uh, what's the DD tournament name? I can't remember. Dio Grand Prix. Sorry. It's there. They have it in the end of the year. It's like their G1 and, you know, a round robin style tournament. So he was in it. Um, 
and was just incredible. You know, Matt, he ended up in the final against Takeshita and lost in like a 41 minute insane match that went, I, I had five stars for sure. Uh, they had a 30-minute draw during the tournament as well. Um, Let's put a little asterisk on this motherfucker's name. He had, an <laughs> he had an incredible match with uh, Higuchi during that tournament, which Holy is kind of what put, which is kind of what put Higuchi on the map for me. So yeah, there's some things for you to go back and watch. But <laughs> this the guy is uh, tw- end of 2021. Okay, is when these matches were. Um, but yeah, he's just a guy I was drawn to immediately. You know, he's got a lot of Ishii in him. He's just a fucking bowling ball of a man. Um, Sekimoto, you know, along those same lines, not quite as large, but, you know, he's been around forever. You know, a guy I haven't seen a ton of, but I've seen six to eight matches, you know, over these past few years. He's a beast, of course. And then Suwama and Ishikawa, all these guys are pretty old, too, for sure. Like, these guys are both Suwama and Ishikawa, probably late 40s, all fucking big-ass dudes. Um, You know, Suwama, I think, has won the Triple Crown title like seven or eight times. So he's been, you know, a stalwart over there. Ishikawa, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure he's kind of all over the map. You see the scars on his back. He's certainly done plenty of death matches. Mm. Um but yeah, this was so much fun. Agreed, it did start out pretty slow, but it it picked up, and these guys pummeled each other. And uh, yeah, I figured you enjoyed this. But yeah, do yourself a favor and watch some more Yuji Okabayashi. Uh, yeah, Doug, I already just <laughs> with the asterisk. And him. he was he was clearly to me the perform best performer in this match too. Like, and the crowd was fucking loving him. No, it was it was definitely. Uh, a hot crowd for this match for sure. Uh, semifinal match. Uh, I didn't talk about the post match after Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi won the tag team titles. They were immediately challenged by Rising Hayato, Hayato and Asuki Aoyagi. So younger brother and the guy, and- one of the guys that we kind of said that we wanted to see more of immediately get the first match. These are both juniors, two, correct? I was, yep, that's what I was going to say. Two juniors <laughs> challenging for the heavyweight tag team championships. And boy, oh boy, did they hold their own. No, I thought it was uh, I thought this was the best match of the three that uh, on this 6-17 show. Uh, I agree. 24-59, bell to bell. The champs retained. Miyahara and Aoyagi retained. I thought this was a, the funny part about this match. I wouldn't even say funny, but I guess more ironic is Kento Miyahara is obviously so over the ace of uh, all Japan, big time baby face. But at one point, uh, Yuma distracted the ref so Kento could uh, do the power driver on the little brother. I was and the crowd just like, oh, boo! I'm just like, what? Kento, yeah. evil. I like it. <laughs> that though, and not only really that. Fun. Just throughout, like multiple times, like you know, and Kento, as we said, like he's. He, he brings on the cheers. He loves the people cheering his name, but multiple times, like they weren't giving him the cheers that he wanted. And like mm-hmm. you said, you know, he was kind of acting accordingly, but man, the crowd was hot for the junior team for sure. Yes. And like we said, both of them coming off impressive performances in the all together show. And man, this was an amazing match. I went four and a half stars here. It just yeah. kept going and building and building and the, t- the two juniors played the perfect underdog. Mm-hmm. Yuma and Kento kind of playing Healy with a great dynamic. 
And, you know, of course, at the end of the day, the uh, juniors came up just short. But, man, yeah, if you don't want to see more of these guys after these past two shows we've talked about, you got another thing coming. So, uh, shit. great shit here. That, for that's sure. like the good part about this part of the schedule for wrestling. New Japan's taking a little break before the G1. This is the time I'm going to sneak some shit in in all Japan so I can kind of, you know, get accustomed to what we're looking at going further. Main event time, uh, Yuji Nagata, we already kind of discussed him uh, versus Yuma Anzai, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. I think it's just Anzai. Anzai. Okay, that, that that sounds more right. This is the guy that I, uh, the other guy I forgot to mention that did something on the All Together show that made me was like, okay, rewind the tape. Who just need the fuck out of Naito in the fucking That's face right. and just got away with this mass murder? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I gotta keep an eye on this motherfucker here because one, you just don't do that to Naito and not have me just look at you a little sideways. But two. They did it to me for a reason. You just don't get that spot against Naito on this show and not have a, a, a something behind this. It was a build towards this match. Not the best title match that I've seen this far this year, but I thought they did enough to where it made Yuma look strong. 2106 bell to bell. Obviously, uh, Nagata retains the title versus Yuma. Say the last name again. Anzai. Anzai. Okay. See, this is one of those guys that I want to keep my eye on because I think they, they have big things that planned for oh, yeah. them. But this oh, yeah. is just kind of one of the early stops. Kind of, kind of like think of uh, the guy that is on the rise, but he's going to have to take the L before he gets to the end game. But thoughts on the main event? Yeah, what'd you give it first? Uh, three seven five. Me too, and I learned a lot about Anzai as well on that Super J Cast Emerald Flow Show collab. Um, a guy I'd only seen a couple of times before altogether again. So I think he's twenty three, so he's really young, <laughs> only two years into the business, so he's very fresh. And yes, like you said, clearly a guy they see as a future ace in this company, and. Yeah, this was just kind of like, okay, here's your first shot at the belt. You ain't fucking winning it, but, you know, let's give you this this opportunity here. I thought he looked pretty damn good. Uh, um, you know, like we said, it wasn't, wasn't a four-star match even, but it was solid. It was good. It was entertaining. It was good work. I thought Anzai had some good moments, you know, especially down the stretch, kind of some good near falls there. Uh, but yeah, the future is bright indeed for this kid. And, um, yeah, given that he's 23 and only two years in, uh, he's got all the tools. That's for sure. Mm. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, much higher on all Japan than I've been ever since current watching it currently, obviously the nineties, notwithstanding, but, uh, yeah, uh, just more, uh, more shit for us to watch and talk about. But, uh, if it's good, we'll follow it. No shit. I was going to say all Japan has made me a, uh, a fucking believer, at least to the point where I want to watch individuals as I watch a whole show. And then if you can get me to like other people, as I watch a whole show, it, that's just, that's where I'm going to end up coughing my 900 yen up. If it gets to that point, let's talk stardom real quick. Um, obviously we've, uh, kind of been down on stardom but <laughs> there's been an angle 
that has kind of played itself out. Unfortunately, Stardom World has been kind of behind when it comes to what has been being able to be shown. So if you're a loyal Stardom fan like myself, you've had to go to the Twitter page and get the spoilers to keep yourself up to date. So Stardom had their Stardom Sunshine show. Say that shit five times fast. Yesterday morning, um, it, for me, this was the start of my day. I watched this stardom show and up closing it with Forbidden Doors. So your boy had a pretty fucking good day of wrestling. But I went, the, I went the opposite. I watched almost this whole show after Forbidden Door and watched the final cage match this morning or this afternoon when I woke up. <laughs> okay, so I, I guess this is where my boy are going with it with Queen's Quest. Obviously, you had Saya Kamatini and Utami not being on the same page, beefing from start all the way up to this point to where now you have a loser leaves the unit match where QQ, Queen's Quest versus Odeo Tai in a cage. The loser of the final fall has to leave the unit. So, setting up the main event for this stardom show, I was thinking to myself, Self, who is the person that could possibly be taken away from their unit and the unit still be okay. Can't be you, Tommy, right? Doesn't make sense. But then as I look up, as the match oh, progresses, shit. I see Otami inside Kamatini being the last of Queen Quest. I'm like, okay, y'all motherfuckers gonna, gonna play with me and shit. You really want me to be emotional about this shit. So fast forward towards the end, the probably the most emotional moment for me for the weekend where even with Osprey and Omega being as great as it was, I've caught myself rooting for Utami to get out of this cage. First off, beforehand, I love the fact that Utami was getting the other... Helping, out, helping everyone out. Yeah. out. Because that's what the leader is supposed to do. I'm the leader of, of uh, Queen's Quest. Everybody else, slowly but surely, get yourselves out. The highlight, well, I shouldn't say the highlight, but the uh, the cliffhanger portion of this match was where Saya Kamatini had gotten herself out. Um, Utami's now starting to climb up, and you had Momo Wawatami come up. So Saya and Momo are on the cage. Momo hands Saya the bat before, uh, hands the belt while they're both on the cage. Now, I guess it was like a, a couple weeks beforehand, they played the same scene out. Momo hands uh, Saya the bat in ring. Saya refuses to hit Utami with the bat. She drops in the walk away. So fast forward to on the cage where now Utami is basically right there. She's getting ready to come out and now Saya Kamatini has to make a choice. Either it's fuck Utami I'm going to go ahead and let you lose this match so you can go to Oteo Tai or I'm going to help her out. Right then I'm like oh god. Oh god. You know that's where I'm like and okay she, started. And she, gave her, she gave her the look too. Like right. she gets the bat and she looked down and then she fucking whacked Momo. And yeah, it was fucking nice. And that's where I was like, okay, Stardom, you pissed me off a lot lately, but you got me. You still have me in my heart of hearts. You got me as a fucking mark of Stardom. I love this match. Let me make sure it was the most 23-23, which is kind of short for an elimination style match like this. I'll say it. I love the match. I gave it five fucking stars. I can't blame you. 
Um, I went four and a half, but I need to watch it again. Given the circumstances, I watched it right when I woke up today, down on stardom. I'll admit I wasn't like super dialed into the first part of the match and knowing it had a super high cage match rating. So I was expected, which is probably bad that I looked at the time, but like I was <laughs> expecting it, but all things considered, it was amazing. And the storytelling was incredible. Oh, also I, I had spoilers for this show coming in as well. So that certainly did, like I knew, I knew Kashima was the loser. At least I didn't know what, I didn't know what happened or how it transpired, but you know, all those things kind of took it down a touch, but I can't argue with, at, with you at all about it being a five-star match. I could definitely buy that for sure. And I definitely want to watch it again, like I said, and I could see myself bumping it up. But, yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, like you said, Utami really carried this match for me. You know, mm-hmm. the leadership, helping getting everyone out. Um, something that I read that I thought – definitely was cool and made sense about Hina and Rena. You know, they're like, what, 16 years old? Like, just get out. This, yeah. this match is not for you. So they both <laughs> basically got out, like, right away. So I thought that was oh, cool. But, yeah, the end was certainly, very. Uh, I mean, something to behold. You know, I wasn't as familiar with the entire angle. Um, but, I, you know, the last show we watched, there was that tag match where you know, Saya and Utami had kind of gotten into it, at, I think maybe even during and after the match. And I'd at least seen that, you know, things had still continued to simmer between those two. So, yeah, that made that moment that much greater. And, yeah, that definitely got me too, for sure. Um, but, you know, not quite as high on it as you for all the reasons I just mentioned. But, yes, it was amazing. Am I fully back on board with stardom yet? No. But this helped a lot for sure. Um, and overall, a pretty solid show. You know, the last two matches definitely carrying it. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely feeling better about things right now. But I'll have some words about Tam Nakano here in a few. I bet you will. Uh, let's go backwards a little bit. Uh, semifinal match, uh, once again, first of the two. Well, games. Hey, real quick, let's talk. What about Saki Kashima? Like, what happens with her now? I mean,. You know, they had Odeo Tai kind of beat her down. Queen's Quest kind of made the save. But do you think, like, she's automatically going to join Queen's Quest? You know, that's a pretty big group as is. You know, what do you think the future is for her? Like, it's not written in stone that she's right. joining them, right? She's just right. like a free agent as yeah, we and, speak. And she, so. and she kind of played uh, played into that on Twitter. If you follow her on her Twitter page, she's basically calling her free agent, calling herself a free okay. agent. You know, she's a little, just kind of loaf around, for lack of a better term. And ultimately, I'm assuming that she'll land in a unit somewhere. Because um, I feel like she's she's the perfect fit. Or Odeo ties. So this is going to be kind of, you know, there's going to be a character change that comes out of this. You know, she's more of the comedy type wrestler, but she can go a little bit. She's the current high speed champ. So, um, yeah, I don't really know where she fits in, but I'm definitely curious to see where she ultimately lands. Honestly, and it's funny that you said that um, because there's a lot of like, um, wrestlers that don't have a home yet um may sarah uh hanako uh uh suzu suzuki women along those lines that are now starting to kind of get in a, a a more of a prominent role 
Oh, well, and Micah, Micah's with them too. Yeah, so I, right. I've been kind of detached of late, to be honest. I hadn't watched anything since that last show. So I know we'll talk about the match, but what's going on with those? Like, is Micah still in Donna Del Mondo? It's yeah. obviously the other prominence women haven't been around. May Sarah, like you said, is kind of without a unit, but Micah's still in DDM, right? Yeah, uh, even though okay. that uh, they were. She had to wrestle against Julia in the generational struggle. Uh, I guess that was earlier, either earlier in the month or late in May. I think late in May feels right. Um, Wait, they had a singles match? No, they had a five-on-five match. Um, Jesus, let me make sure I'm saying this right. Um, Suzu, Micah. Was Saya Kamatini on that? Jesus. Now I got to dig. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Give me 30 seconds. Um, But basically, that's kind of the ultimately where I'm going with this is I think there needs to be a draft happening at some point down the line because you have at least a threat, not even a threat, but, you know, uh, a feeling like, you know, Micah could splinter off. If she splinters off, you have now Suzu Suzuki and Maysir to go with her. You know, it feels and like does, and does Saki go with them? Okay, you know? and Who that's knows? ultimately where I'm just kind of like, I'm not sure where this is going because with that and you have like new talent, especially like the the Hanukos, the the Aya Sakuras of the world. They're not, you know, that important, but they, they're young lions, quote unquote, for a lack of a better word, and yeah. they need a home. So they, you have to figure that out as well. Ultimately, I, my guess is, I'm guessing draft, but I'm probably way the fuck off on that. So I'm if like prominence said, was still here as the trio, I'd love to see Stocky join that group, but that would, clearly they're not. That would be uh, lovely. Uh, all bullshit aside, I think that would be. The, but, but in the current landscape, she doesn't really fit into any of the way she is current. You know, her character currently is. So, like I said, we'll uh, just kind of see how it plays out. No, well, but I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by it. So that's a good thing. I was going to say the the one thing that I, I will say that I guess goes against that, for lack of a better term, um, I didn't think Hazuki would be good with uh, stars, and you know it it kind of felt like a weird fit, but you know that made fair. the shit work. So I'm I'm at least willing to see she was where more this of goes. Like, was she in Odeo Tai and maybe that Tokyo Cyber? Like she was definitely more of like a heel before, right? Hazuki. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I had I haven't seen really any of her work pre stars, but I just, I know she was definitely different. So yeah, I mean I have faith that she'll it'll work out wherever she's. You know, like I said, a unique talent for sure. But I I enjoy watching her. It would it just be cool to see, like you know, and she'll adapt based on who she joins. You know, so. It'd be interesting. Like I want to see her in some more like serious type matches too. Um, so yeah, we shall see. Still looking for that uh, that match that I'm talking about, <clears throat> but it, it ain't that big of a deal. Well, I mean, it's not a huge deal, but it it, it kind of connects a bunch of dots. Neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, Mina uh, Shirakawa and Mariah May. Uh, Whoa, will be get the other cage match. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we didn't get to yeah. talk about that. Uh, Julia Sakurai and Thekla, the artists of stardom champions, uh, defending in the first cage match of the night versus <laughs> poor Mayu. <laughs> Mayu. Um, okay, I guess that's that's the one thing that I missed because she looked like a little petulant child in the well, corner. So she- they had they had that one cage match last year, and that's right. the first time I'd seen it that she was acting similarly, like not wanting to go in the mm-hmm. cage, like crying, and just picked up through context that like she's fucking scared of cages and heights and this and that. So like I love the continuity, but yeah, I was it was some cage match they had last year where this similar thing happened. Yeah, girl, yeah, as definitely. soon as that bell rang, she was like, I'm. Out. <laughs> yeah. Or then the, the baseball throw thing too. Like she's sitting down and it was just like so pathetic. And then it got stuck in the cage. Oh like, man, I was like, dude, yeah. it, you couldn't have fucking planned that any that was better. It was literally like, I want no part of this. You know what? I, off. I like the match a good amount. You know what I don't like is the fucking stars outfit. Like, whenever they have cage matches, they always wear, like, why are you wearing jeans and fucking matching yellow shirts? I don't know. It just didn't work for me. It didn't affect the match in any way. I just think it's not a good look, personally. Mm, okay. Nigga, to each his own. I ain't mad at you for it. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, Team Unity. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily like the uniform, but, you know, I'm. Unity! <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I don't necessarily like the uh the the uniform per se, but I at least appreciate the fact that we we are all yeah. on the on the same page, so to speak. So in that scenario, I'm all for it. I, I can't be mad about that. Um before we before we dig in, I wanna just say this because it pertains to both matches. I do like this style where it's basically you know escape the cage and the first team that can get out wins because it creates some interesting scenarios of like yes you want to get out but then also your teammates are going to be like facing a disadvantage like a two-on-one or a three-on-two whatever it may be so it just creates some scenarios that you know you don't see in like normal style cage matches so yeah, I just, you know, that's how it was in the matches last year, except maybe the Tam Nats boy. I think that might have just been pinfall. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to say I like this uh, elimination-style cage match. Um, your girl, Julia, took a couple of nasty, <laughs> nasty bumps in this match. Kazuki, yeah, God did. bless her. When she jumped off of that top, I'm like, Oh no! <laughs> what are you doing? Oh Jesus Christ! Well, and we didn't mention the Natsuko Tora in the previous match too. I can't yeah. if I I can't remember if it was. I think it was on Utami, but mm-hmm. she fucking murdered her. <laughs> That's yeah. a big ass woman. Okay, that that was bigger a, than Hizuki. That was a swanton. Well, I'm like. Okay. Oh yeah, it was a swanton. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, awesome. please, guy, let her just connect. I mean, th- this is a, a dicey move at best. I mean, yeah. if, if she doesn't, ma- if she doesn't make this, she is not getting up out, up anytime soon. So yeah, two big spots uh, uh, on two of the uh, the matches. The second one where uh, Julia finally gets a receipt, she uh, suplexes Mayu off the top. I thought that was fucking amazing. Another great, ta- uh, another great 
cage match, I gave it four and a half stars. Go. I was four and a quarter, but yeah, damn good. Definitely the highlight was the Julia Mayu one-on-one stretch at the end. I thought was just great stuff. Oh yeah, Hazuki being a bad bitch throughout as well, and her and Julia mixing it up, always fun. Uh, but yeah, this was a very, very entertaining, good match. Um, and yeah, the uh, trio, the Donna Del Mondo trio rolls on here, so at least Julia has a belt. It's the wrong belt, but it's something. Um, but yeah, good, good stuff here for sure. And yeah, like you said, these two matches starting to bring me back a little bit, but uh, I'm still still pissed off that Julia's not the champ, period. And we're going to be getting to this Tam talk here shortly. Mina Shirakawa and Mirai Ray versus Mirai and Sore. Uh, Gold Rose. World, world's hottest tag team, baby. Uh, Gold Rose, I believe, is the name. Rose, Go- Rose, Rose Gold. Gold. Thank you. Rose Gold, yeah. uh, the new tag team name for um, Club Venus here. I always thought that AKA, AKA World Hottest Tag, tag team. team. I was going. I was getting there. Um, I always thought that these two should should have been a tag team at some point because Mariah May feels like the right hand woman, for lack of a better term, to Mira, Mina Shirakawa. They challenged Mirai and Ame Sore for the Guys of Stardom tag titles. Sixteen oh four bell to bell. We have a tag title change. Club Venus. Venus brings home the guys of stardom tag titles. So I'll ask you flat out. Obviously, we were both upset, despondent, mad, whatever word you want to use in the sense that Mina lost the white belt. Is this a, any sort of receipt for you? Yes, it is some sort of receipt for sure. Um, very happy for them. You know, some real emotion after the match from both of them, especially Mariah. You know, big moment for her career. And, you know, obviously we know how hot she is, but she's a pretty solid worker. You know, I, I looked up, she's only 24. Um, you know, I think she's wow. definitely got a lot of a lot of room to improve, but uh, she's tall and sexy. And, <laughs> yeah, like I said, she's a fine wrestler, but she's going to get better, and I'm very happy for her. And Mina, the match itself was okay. You know, three and a quarter, three and a half, maybe nothing special, but um, you know, very happy to see them win. Like I said, um, a decent run for the new eras, as they're calling them. Um, you know, was happy to see them win. Couple good defenses here and there, um, but now we will see uh, Mirai challenge Tam for the white belt, and let's just get to it here because I don't have a ton of time left. Um, obviously, Tam Nakano comes out to, to rub a little salt in the wound post-match in Mirai's face, and Mirai drops her like a bad habit. So, I believe this is July 2nd, the next show for Stardom coming up. It will be for the white belt title, Tam Nakano versus Mirai. So, let's just play Dabble's Advocate for 30 seconds. If Mirai wins... is it's, we've said this on text thread, but uh, I want you to put it out there for just uh, the record itself. You're down on mirror. This is a no-win situation for you, the way you look at it. Why is that? That is correct. I just think, you know, we are where we are now. Tam is the double champ, despite not being one of the top three stars or best in the company. But I still really like her, and she's really good. So, like, I'm not – this is not an indictment on her. It's an indictment on the booking. 
as you know, I firmly believe she never should have beat Julia in the first place. I firmly believe she never should have become double champ and beat Mina before, right after she won that belt. But again, this ain't Tam's fault. But and I'm happy for her, obviously. But it just it doesn't work for me. And yeah, we talked about this last night. Uh, you know, Mirai winning, yes, it would split the championships. But in the short term, it would look make your top champion look very weak. Like, oh wow, they just lost to Mirai, who's a well and good. But like, that's not what a champion should feel like. A champion should feel a regal, like Julia who actually feels like an important and big deal and actually climbed that fucking mountain that she'd fallen down a couple of times because of Tam Nakano to get there. You know, Tam's title win, we talked about it. It just didn't feel like the right time. I think it should have happened at some point, but here we are. And yes, I just, it does feel like a no-win situation to me. I mean, you made the point like, look, if she loses the Mirai here and still has a nice run with the red belt, we're going to forget about this. Yes, we will, but what I countered with is I don't even want to see her have a run with it. So that's how I feel. I don't really have – I don't really say I want Mirai to win or I want Tam to win. I think it'll probably be a good match. I like Mirai, uh, but, yeah, I'm just not excited about any of this. Pet T. <laughs> <laughs> Outside that, you had um... – I'll just call them uh, Cosmic Angels for lack of a better term. Natsupoi, Tam, and Kyrie defeat uh, Micah, May, Sarah, Suzuki, Siri beats uh, Zena, Nene uh, Takahashi beats Hanako, and then uh, you had dark that match. One. <laughs> then you had the dark match. So, Real quick. July 2nd, I think that, one to watch. Go I ahead. Think, I think that was Zena's send-off as well, at really? least for the time for the time being, I just saw stuff on Instagram that that's going to be her last match. And also, we haven't brought up, like, good old Zaya Brookside really got the short <laughs> club Venus stick. I mean, she was an OG and just hasn't been seen. I mean, I know she's still, like, working in England and shit, but I guess, again, that was just another, like, short-term. Right. Well, like, a lot of these foreign women, clearly. Zena in for a little bit now. You know, Mariah seems to be a little more permanent. Obviously, they've got Waka. Um, so, you know, we'll see, but I at least wanted to make that note that it, it did appear to be Zena's send off for the time. Well, damn, did not know that shit. That could, well, and it is what it is. Um, like I said, July 2nd, Tam versus Mirai, I think one to watch because that's going to determine a lot of booking going forward. Let's talk Noah really quick so we can get the big guy up out of here. Um, for the Noah, I'm sorry, still got to be Jake Lee. It's all Jake Lee all the time. The man's the goddamn Terminator of fucking Noah, and he's added another guy to the hit list. He started with, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Nakajima. He's added Marafuji to it. And now, to me, I thought this was his biggest test to date in one Segura. I thought this was one of the better matches I've seen in the last month. Uh, for those who don't know, this is Noah Green Journey in Nagoya from uh, the 17th of this month. So if you have Wrestle Universe, go run your ass and check that shit out. I gave it four and three quarter stars. Like I said, I thought this was a, one of the best matches I've seen, not only of the last month, but obviously of the entire year. Jake Lee just feels like there's nobody that can fuck with him right now. And he's just taking out three of the top stars in Noah. Thoughts on the match? I really liked it. I wasn't quite that high on it. I went four, 
four and a quarter, nearly four and a half. It just took me a bit to get into the match. It just felt a little slower start. But yeah, well, once they got cooking damn good, you know, Jake continued to be the underdog, like in the early part of these matches and kind of working from underneath, which I enjoy. And, you know, the, the matches have all been structured somewhat similarly in that way. It's like he really comes off like the underdog, but then also looking very unbeatable as well because no one's been able to beat him, like you said. So, yeah, another great notch, another great feather in his cap. Yeah, a murderer's row of Taito to win the belt, and then Nakajima, Marafuji, and Sugira, three Noah legends, stalwarts, guys that have been there, well, two of which from day one, and Nakajima, you know, not too far behind. So, yeah. Just me calling it four two five doesn't mean it wasn't a great match because it was. Um, yeah, just not. I liked the other two matches a little bit better personally, but again, this one was not too far off in my opinion. So um, yeah, I love it. Who knows when he's going? I mean, obviously, we'll see what happens in the N one. You know, I don't expect I don't expect him to win it, but. You know, some someone's going to beat him, and I assume that'll set up another title match. But it doesn't feel like he's losing this anytime soon, and I am a okay with that, especially given how the title was booked all of last year. <sighs> no doubt on that. Um, tag team titles are on the line. You had Saxton Huxley and Timothy Thatcher defeat Masa Kitamiya and Enamora in seventeen oh six. I gave it three and three quarter stars. I thought this was going to be where. The hot potato of GSC tag titles would continue on that route. Not the case. Any thoughts on the match? Uh, I think I went three and a half. It was good, not great. But uh, uh, what's his name? Huxley, to me, you know, he's getting better. I thought he wasn't very good his first few matches I'd seen. I think this tag team with Thatcher has, you know, definitely helped unlock him a little bit. And, you know, as much as I love the other team, I kind of wanted – Thatcher and Huxley to retain just to kind of get some momentum going. You know, they got Shuhei Taniguchi into the real group now, or Real, I think it's actually pronounced, yeah. uh, which is a horrible name as we've discussed. But good to see that group kind of adding pieces to it and Taniguchi, you know, continuing to get more of a light shown on him. Uh, but yeah, good, not great. Really, that this whole show to me was pretty average overall. Um, I don't really have too much to write home about. I would say let's just jump to those final two matches from that last show, and then I'm going to get on out of here because i got to go record BBB. 622 had uh, two matches to talk about. The semifinal match, uh, the quote-unquote stinger group, was Chris Ridgway and Daga versus the junior tag title champs in Tadutsuke and Yohei, obviously GLG in the house. 21-29, bell to bell. Unfortunately, GLG does not come away with the tag titles. Stinger wins the tag titles in a nice little finish. I thought uh, having the double submission where you have... I believe it was Yohei tapping out into Deuce so close, but can't make the save. was a nice little salt in the wounds. Not only were you take, taking the titles, but you can't do anything to stop it. Thoughts? Yeah, I went four and a quarter. I thought this was really good. Um, yeah, as I said earlier, Ridgeway continues to impress. I thought Daga looked really good. Mm-hmm. You know, my most biggest exposure to him is Lucha Underground, and 
you know, was always a guy that, you know, he's never really that upper echelon, but that I always thought was solid. So happy to see him over here looking good. And, you know, of course, the GLG guys, I think this was definitely the best match of their short reign, unfortunately, but happy to see Ridgeway and Daga. Um, you know, these belts never really seem to stay on someone for a significant yeah. period of time, which I'd like to see. And maybe this is the team to do it because Chris Ridgeway, Chris Ridgway certainly ain't nothing to fuck with. But, mm. yeah, the last, you know, five minutes of this match I thought were excellent. Uh, great back and forth, great near falls. And like you said, the submission to end it, very dramatic with Sadusuke kind of trying to reach for his hand and not getting it and Yohei just having to tap. But I thought all four guys in this match had a hell of a performance. Agreed, agreed. 622's main event, you had Keno versus Go Shiozaki. So, like we said, I said earlier, Keno and Nakajima had a 45 minute war ending in a draw. So, this is now Keno's chance to get the other half of Axes on his own. 2311 doesn't take that long, at least half the time. Keno wins by pinfall over Go Shiozaki. Um, I gave both matches four stars. This felt like Keno getting, you know, a little, you know, high moment on the Axis team. I can't beat the guy that was on my squad. We go to a draw, but I can at least take down Shiozaki, reinforcing the point why he shouldn't be here. Thoughts in the match? Yeah, I was four and a quarter on both. Um yeah, I wasn't sure who was going to win this coming in. You know, I thought it really could have gone either way. Um, I, you know, these two have had better matches, but I was really enter- enter- I was really entertained by this. You know, great sh- slaps or sh- ugh, chops and kicks from both guys, as always. Some nice suplexes, some shit on the outside. Nakajima on commentary, uh, getting the smile when Keno kind of got in his face was very fun. Um, but yeah, I thought this was just rock solid between two of the top guys in the company. Just kind of a, I know they're not in different block or they're not in the same block. So just a little N1 tune up for both guys. But, uh, yeah, Keno's issues with axes clearly not done, but yeah, really. And I've watched both these matches earlier today and had a great time doing so and was happy. It was just Stewart and Mark on the call. Cause I feel like they've been rotating so many fucking guys in there that, Got to hear the bread and butter because they're two of the best in the biz. So, uh, yeah, very enjoyable watch on both of those matches. Now, for a match like this, I think you got to go with the A-team on that. Um, Didn't get a chance to talk about TJPW. We're going to push that back because, obviously, they're going to have – their uh, one of their big shows coming up. I think it's uh, Summer summer – Sun Summer, Summer Princess. Sun Princess. Yeah, that sounds Sounds right. right. So that's coming up here in a little bit. Obviously, we're going to talk about G1 when it gets closer. Going to sprinkle in some Noah, some All Japan stardom. Like I said, the, the 2nd of July. Big day for that. So plenty to talk about for episode number 11. Kenneth Omega, can you send us out, please? And so, goodbye. Mwah. <laughs> and good night bang well that's going to wrap it up for this little episode of what we call the Phoenix Splash Podcast um, if you haven't already go to Global Vision let's try this again go to Global Global 
a visionary global media network that's what i meant to say for the fourth time go to the subscribe button smash the subscribe button so that way you get the phoenix splash podcast you get the brain buster boys that breast getting ready to court here in a second you get banned from ringside good cop bad cop all the little great programs podcasts we have one fail swoop so that way you won't miss a goddamn thing so on that lovely note I agree with Kenny. It's time to bid you all adieu. Thanks for listening. For my man, Brett Jager, I'm your other humble host, Jason Cornelius Bell. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next time. Say bye, Brett. See ya. Can't wait for the G1. <laughs> Bye-bye.